0: This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me You're not gonna do nothing, you are not above me I bet you wish you was me, I know that I know
1: What is poppin' everybody and welcome back To another Only Friends podcast And you know, I'm here with my only kid. friends, and you know my special only friend, my sidekick,
2: Matt Berkey. Do you have your volume on? Uh, that's because he's got his mic on. He had his volume on, oh. sorry, my muted desktop. Oh, all right. I <laughs> wait,
1: what
3: is going on? It was- yeah. Oh, Here we are. are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well.
2: We had we had a whole intro prepared, but uh for for anybody who uh, wants to know who the mystery voice is, the man behind Oz that is Eric Sheets Haber is that correct? Correct I've never I've never called you anything other than sheets in my <laughs> entire existence. Uh, he is do. our our very uh profound guest today um we're gonna we're gonna get back to him in a few seconds We have a little bit of house cleaning to to get out of the way. Uh, first and foremost, but um, we're going to do a really deep dive. Maybe not such a deep dive, but we're going to talk a lot about uh, poker backing as well as the pre-Black Friday days, you know, whenever this game was easy and fruitful. Uh, but before we get into all of that, uh, we have a few things to just announce and get out of the way. We are running a contest uh, tomorrow during the show. Huh? Your water bottle. Yeah, Whatever. <laughs> uh, we're running a contest tomorrow during the show uh, to give away a 12k package to the wpt championship at the win so that will happen sometime between 10 and 10 30 tomorrow in order to qualify you only have to do these three things uh, you have to be subscribing or a member of our youtube channel you have to be following our uh socials so uh at self tv and at only friends pod and then you need to be present during the time of the drawing. So basically, uh, we use Nightbot to randomly select somebody out of the chat, which means you need to be actively in there. Uh, best of luck to all involved. It's man, massive that's, that's, that's a massive EV spot.
0: That's not a, a tough task to ask for for uh, $12, 12k. Package, yeah. man.
2: Hey, you have like one percent shot at 12k. Yeah, pretty nice. 120 bucks just for showing up, and watching a fucking show. Yeah. I that's, can't. I'll be that money.
0: And you're going to be entertained the whole time too. Yeah,
2: so. you'll be entertained the whole time. Speaking of free money, uh, that Steelers money line last night came oh, right on through. Man,
1: Ooh, is. I is. I'm, I'm actually very excited Connie's for Steelers. Happy.
2: Steelers huh? yesterday.
0: Connie yeah, and I had good. the Steelers in the over. Uh, hello, no problem.
2: They look good. Sometimes no it's nice to bet with your heart. You, you know, know, they look
1: good,
0: Cuz. Wait, good.
1: Uh, I'm not going. I'm not going <laughs> to say they fucking looked good. They did. Because look good. they did not look good. Pickett's had like three drops. It was pick it. Um, pick it what?
2: Pickens. Pickens. Oh, right. I think he said it.
1: No, and um, what's the other fucking bum that you have on your team that can't? Deontay do anything? Johnson. What the fuck? He runs backwards. He missed drops balls. What's going on
0: there? How dare you? They he, did
1: everything for you to
0: win, to give you money, Conrad. Okay. And this is the also repayment? Deontay
2: Johnson's a top ten receiver in the league. Yeah, he had one play where he He's could He's not have a had... top ten. In receiver what receiver league? In the league? Not, not this year. One. What? The Talent-wise, XFL? he fir- certainly. You're an idiot. <laughs> You're an idiot. The Jets would the Jets would unload half their team right now for Deontay Johnson.
1: Um, we wouldn't do anything. We have Garrett Wilson. What? I'd rather have Garrett Wilson than.
2: Okay. Uh, well, that's a mistake.
1: Silence. <laughs> <laughs> in a, in,
0: a, in a dynasty format for fantasy football. That's uh, this, this kid's a fourth year player. This this I is just uh, sure But man. no, but but. Getting insane. back to uh, the Steelers, yes, they they did great last night. I think they did great.
2: I I think, you know, the Colts stink. Yeah, the Colts. The <laughs> Colts are uh, so bad. <laughs>
0: See, Jeff Sunday is not Jeff Monday.
1: What do we think about the time? Um, no time out for the last minute and a half. Like the last minute. They left 30 seconds on the clock. The
0: only thing I could think of was he was trying to not leave any time on the clock for this, the, the None of, that, none of, that, matters. None the of that matters.
2: None of that matters whenever uh, what's-his-face. Old, old man. No, not Carson Wentz uh
0: matt ryan matt ryan scrambles
2: for 15 and is sucking wind and can't breathe yes just call the fucking right i know it was yeah
0: that was you could see uh jeff saturday's inexperience coming through
1: right there honestly they're the same to me matt ryan and carson wentz i always confuse them (laughs) about 15
2: years apart in age but you know whatever um Last couple of things to get out of the way. Uh, We still have one Academy seat left for February. So February 2nd to the 5th, uh, we'll be running a four-day Poker Out Loud style uh, Academy. And speaking of Poker Out Loud, we have episode two of The Only Friends Out Loud today. Uh, We're going to put that out at 4 p.m. because it's too unpredictable when this this podcast is going to end. We weren't able to to throw it over the way I had hoped yesterday. So we're going to do the normal upload time at 4 p.m. Be sure to check that out. Without further ado, my apologies that you had to sit through a five-minute Yinzer rant. Uh, we can't I'd help like ourselves, we in, really can't. I'd like to bring in Sheetz, Um to give everybody a little bit of background who is unfamiliar. Uh, he was a part of probably the most prolific backing uh, entity that's ever existed in poker, uh, Backs and Sheets. They saw something in online players in the early 2000s that... Uh, not only predicted the advancement of the game and the profitability that was out there for the young guns, but also they had the wherewithal to bring it to scale. So um, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, his background, how he got into poker, uh, as well as how they formed the business or the, uh, the entity that was Baxton Sheets' empire. But uh, without further ado, Eric Sheets Haber yo what's going on guys
0: hello what's What's happening
2: thank you so much for joining us uh i think this is the first time we actually met yeah i don't
4: think we may have played a long long time ago back in ac it's possible but i mean i didn't play all that much so i think Uh, i think i remember because i remember texting backs like during the tournament i'm like you know berkey plays just as bad live as he does online <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think i think he, ju- I think he just flatted like 40 of, of, percent of my stack effective you know out of the small blind so i'm glad that that we figured this out early about him you know we should see all the notes that i have on matt berkey and <laughs> online notes overflats this limbs too much. This it's freaking crazy. So I don't know if we've actually played together, but, but definitely your name is, is, is in my, my poker memory forever. All right. So let's, let us let me get this straight.
2: I'm going to jump to my own defense here. So we've never played together, but you have copious notes on how bad of a player I am. Copious. Just as,
4: as a matter, as a matter of fact, and I'm only probably making 30% of this up. Like when somebody would actually flat for what we thought was too big of a stack, we would say he's being like Berkey. I mean, what? literally for years.
2: I know. This was, this was I know. Like uh, a common
4: thing that would like show up.
2: I know there's a lot of oh, truth yeah. to this because for the better part of two decades, Matt Stout was my absolute rival in this game, and mm-hmm. I know that he was a big part of your stable, and you guys are all very close. So I'm sure a lot of those notes were being funneled through uh, the the Stout lens of the game. <laughs> um, speaking of. Uh, not not speaking of style, but speaking of you having copious notes on me, you you know you guys rejected me. I reached out for backing.
4: Yes, of, of course. This is what I'm talking about. This this <laughs> this is this is what we did. And again, I guess I was right into it. The toughest part, I guess, about staking people is just kind of knowing who to stake, right? Yeah. I mean, you have all these people that come into us with, you know, with applications. They say I'm good. I'm this. I'm that. But to try to gauge whether somebody's good at poker. It's, you can't just rely on results because you know how sample size works and and you know how all that stuff works. So it's difficult to know how someone plays without actually seeing them play. And aside from the few hands we might have notes on somebody, what we would have to do is try to figure out some way to to figure out if a person plays. So fortunately, because of our training site, Poker X Factory had access to this replayer where people could submit hand histories uh, online And we would load them into the hand history and we would actually manually just 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 view maybe five to six full hand histories so that we could i guess better word not objectively but subjectively right gauge whether somebody could play so everybody that kind of applied for backing or wanted backing we would have them submit hand histories and there were just certain key things that we would look for in in backing people and and one of them was and again we can talk about how the poker has changed over the years remember i'm Basing it based on what we knew at the time, right? So going yeah. way back before Black Friday, our kind of philosophy was: listen, you really shouldn't be flatting this much. You should only be re-raising these percentage of stacks. So when you have all these people submitting all these hand histories, we had these kind of kind of like core positions that we would look at to see whether we thought people could play or not, and then we would put put uh, some some hand histories into push fold um, uh, charts and things like that. But so when you said, oh, well, you know, you guys rejected me, I remember because every time that somebody applies, we have to look at some hand issues. You can't rely on someone's word for it that they're good. So I presume that what happened was you submitted it. And back on our knowledge back then, we couldn't fathom a, a way of poker where someone could flat and win. So if someone was kind of someone who flatted a lot, they would be at a disadvantage when it came to us uh analyzing.
2: All right. So here's what actually <laughs> happened. It was two thousand seven. It was two thousand seven. <laughs> uh I we I was out for my very second World Series ever, and I mostly busted my bankroll while coming out. I didn't have much. I, I maybe came out with like 10k, and I busted it playing sit and goes. And we were with Randall Flowers at the time, who was one of your horses. Legend. Yeah, uh, and he <laughs> had just gotten back from the strip club with Brent Hanks. <laughs> uh, legend, where all legend, the, legend. Yeah, right. they were they were just talking about how many buttholes they saw that night, and I was. And Randall
4: must have been at least like 15 but yeah
2: I think he might have just turned 18 (laughs) I I was there that night as well. Uh, (laughs) Brian was still blacked out I was head in hand 6 a.m. just weeping and Randall's like you should just ask backs and sheets for backing like I I think that you know that's maybe the play I was like okay so I I got on my pocket fives account which I had exactly one post ever and I fired off a a message to you guys and within 45 seconds I got a response that said no thank you have have fun good luck (laughs)
4: Yeah, they reviewed all those hand histories, huh? Yeah, they I'm not going to debate this one. <laughs> but, but, but I'm trying to find, now, now what I'm doing, I don't want to distract myself from this, but I'm looking into my massive archives and emails and hand history reviews and notes and things like that. To try to refute <laughs> that, but maybe, maybe some well, other time.
2: I mean, to be fair, what you're saying about the way I played is not incorrect at all. Okay. And I'm certainly not trying to to make a case that I was a a, a good horse at that time. You did me a huge favor uh, by saying no, right? To be quite frank,
4: well, when we 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 would always say is that there that, that the second best way to make money in poker back then was to be backed by us. But the best way to make money back then is for us to say no to you, like because yeah. then, then then you'd have a hundred percent of yourself when it's completely soft, as opposed to giving up like fifty percent when it was completely soft.
2: Yeah, I I was. I mean, 2007, I had been playing professionally for three-ish years, um, and I was still young, and the game, to me, what always fascinated me and what kept me hungry was how unlimited everything was, you know? So it there, there was so much room for exploration, and understanding where the success of your stable came from, a lot of it seems systematic, not, not in necessarily the way people play, but uh, just the structured aspect of it. And uh, I'm sure you guys automated as much of it as you humanly could. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to manage all these personalities and uh, all this money and everything else. So I wasn't ready for that. I was still very much in the exploration phase where I wanted to test all the boundaries of the game, see what works, see what didn't. And, you know, within two years, uh, I, I had developed a very, very unique strategy, basically centering around limping. Because I did want to see flops. I felt like I was better than people after the flop. But you're right. Like, if you're constantly calling three X's and things of that nature off 25 blinds, there isn't much edge to define post flop. Um, so I, I needed that process. If I had just kind I, of fell in line and had you guys uh, yep. guide me, I, I wouldn't still be playing today for sure. You'd be but, miserable. I'd probably be so much richer, though. You probably would be. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Sheets, <laughs> how rich would I be? Um,
4: I don't know. I don't, I don't know how much. Uh... What your other what your other habits are? I don't know what else is going on. Uh, I'm so. clean
2: as a whistle, baby. You would have you would have had me on just like just
4: like all of us. I know you, you no, would have had know. me on Wall
2: Street. No, I legit He really is.
0: <laughs> doesn't drink, no drugs, doesn't gamble outside of poker.
1: Other than to me, he loses
0: to
2: me. This is why I would have been a terrible horse. I would have just left you as soon as I got rich. Yeah. Well, what's
4: interesting is you know you say you like to experiment and you had you know, I I imagine that you used to play cash games, you know, if if you're still playing cash games, that was a big deal. And that was, that was always an interesting dynamic is that we wanted people that would commit to tournaments, you know, and and strictly MTTs. We didn't want people playing sit and goes. We didn't want people playing MTTs. We didn't, excuse me. We didn't want people playing cash. We only wanted people playing MTTs. We felt as though that's, you know, not the, what was better. That was what we wanted to do. You know, that was our yeah. area of expertise. Did you think that's it what keep... we wanted to back people in? So what would happen is people would say, "Well, well, what if I want to play cash?" And essentially, we would just say, "No, you can't." You know, and and that's you know that that's that's a difficult thing. You know, because some people want to play cash, and mm-hmm. and if they they want to, you know, be with us, they should either right play tournaments or cheat in some way right? Like keep other accounts to play cash or lie about what they're doing on the side. So it's, it's a unique thing to be backed for tournaments only when it's kind of like a a relationship. You know, it's not like when you're selling pieces online, which is now kind of what, what the big deal is, is, is selling pieces. That's, that's kind of like, I know the analogy police is going to come, 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 assault (laughs) me right now but it's kind of like like when you go for the one night stand you want tinder or something like that you know like you have just this expectation maybe one night or whatever and then whatever and that's kind of like what selling pieces are but when you're getting backed i mean that's kind of like a relationship you know you're kind of in it you know like for the for the long run so it's just kind of a different thing so the whole cash versus mtt's thing that was that was a decent point of uh of contention between us and horses along the way
2: yeah, I think rightfully so. Uh, it's it's yep. difficult when you're overseeing all of those accounts and money and uh, ensuring not only that you are getting hyper-focused, uh, for lack of a better term, workers, but also that people are staying above board and not rolling you, not losing. You know, in, in some regard, cash game tables become like the pits uh, yep. for, for online players. So uh, I imagine from just a managerial standpoint, having oversight of that is is critical to a, a profitable operation um there's still a lot to dig into there and i i have questions as follow-ups okay. to that but i want to kind of lay out who you are and uh how you even got into this because i am not even so sure that i know your backstory all that well uh i know you were in finance prior to poker um how long were you no so so
4: so i still am. So i i've run a pretty successful hedge fund for okay. 20 years now um back since 2002 and uh i've done money management since 1998 but i started my own fund in 2002 which has operated non-stop uh, for 20 years now but in mm-hmm. addition to my fund i've always had kind of other things going on on the side it used to be used to be chess that's when i first met elon schwartz more on that later then i got really into backgammon where i've met phil lack we'll get into that later um and then after that you know like a lot of backgammon players they kind of you know saw wpt and saw poker and so then i got into online poker this is back in you know i guess maybe the first w could maybe 2003 2004 something like that yeah and it was just kind of the next thing that i just kind of wanted to learn i was i like never played poker at all like i didn't know the rules or whatever like the first game i learned how to play in life was was no limit hold'em you know what i mean or no yeah. limit hold'em tournaments right that's mm-hmm. the first thing And that's how I just kind of got into it. It's kind of like my thing to do, you know, and, and Hey, you know, when you're first getting into it and it's 2004 or five and online is blowing up, you know, you could, that's, that's a, that's a fun time, man. You know? So uh, I looked at it as the next kind of thing that I wanted to learn how to, how to, how to do. And that's how I got into playing poker. Um, And then, you know, a couple of years later, through a kind of fortuitous meeting with, with Brett Youngblood and the crew guys, I got into backing. And then, you know, the real piece was then after a year or two after that, you know, when, when Cliff and I just kind of combined to just make the backing piece, just kind of like a real, a real huge thing. But the entire time I have been continuing to run my hedge fund and I still do that. And after poker, I, you know, I do other stuff. I do daily fantasy sports. Now I'll plug true DFS.com as my daily fantasy site. Um, and uh, so I always have something going on on the side but but uh, the hedge fund is still my main uh, my main thing
2: so unpack a little bit the the relationship between you and Cliff uh Johnny backs uh sure. more infamously or more famously so we go, I guess. so
4: so we, so we go we go back to when I was uh you know I, I was running my hedge fund and Cliff was a uh he was a broker slash analyst at another at a firm and as a hedge fund manager you reach out to all these different people for for different advice and and actually somebody used to work for the street.com um, recommended that I reach out to this guy who worked at this firm named Cliff, who was really, really good at shorts at short selling ideas or whatever. So I reached out to him back, you know, when I was just looking for stock ideas, you know, just kind of like to keep, keep information flow. So he started giving me kind of stock ideas and he was just, just insanely awesome. I mean, however good he became a poker or, and backing, he's like legendary at sniffing out like terrible, terrible stocks and terrible management, just to kind of bring it to something new that happened. He was the first person in my entire Twitter sphere to call out the um, that uh, FTX guy who worked for UB. Like back like months ago, he like posted that on Twitter saying, hey, has anybody noticed that the same guy that's in charge of risk management, FTX, is also the attorney that was involved in UB? And you fast forward and then you get, you get, you get Durr. Like after the fact saying, I just found this out. How come nobody told me? Well, follow Cliff. You know what I mean? He told you this months ago. So, so that's how I first met Cliff. I mean, he was one of my incredible sources for, for good short ideas. Just a, just a super genius like that. Very, very jaded, very, you know, like he doesn't believe anybody. And that's what you need to be a good short seller. And so he hadn't played poker either. And then he said, what are you doing here on the side? When I told him about Nolan Holdham Hold'em and he started to learn how to play poker. And I kind of, I don't want to say taught him, that's kind of like demeaning. You know, what I, mean? I helped him learn how to play.
0: Yeah.
4: And at the time he was just kind of getting out of that business. And so he decided he was going to take an office kind of next to me and just kind of play. And then he saw that I was backing people and he's like, what's going on there? And because one thing led to another, he got involved in a little bit bit of the backing. And then listen, when you have two people like me and Cliff, that you have two, you know, very sharp people who are business experience and, 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 and are just overall hardworking. I mean, you you have the, you have the ability to, to, to build something pretty, pretty big, you know? So, so that's how we kind of started together.
2: That's pretty incredible. Uh, what was the, what was the basic structure for backing? I mean, um, I think it's evolved a lot since then, but as far as I can tell, you guys were on the forefront of of developing backing as a business. Uh, so maybe give me a, a quick rundown of like how you guys structured it. And is it true that you guys are kind of the the pioneers of of makeup as we know it?
4: No. So so you go back to like hundreds of years ago, whatever, when people would stake stuff, people in stuff. And you would always hear people say, "Okay." I'll, you don't have to put up anything, and I get half. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where that actually came from, but that just became something over generations of staking in anything. This half that seems to be what people should offer someone for staking. So when we did it, we just said, okay, well, at the beginning, we'll say, okay, you play for us, and you get fifty percent of the profits, and that is kind of long term, which means that if you're you're losing. You have to make that up before, you know, you start getting any profits. It's not like we made up the term makeup I and mean, makeup's, makeup's been around forever. Listen, when you run a hedge fund, you have like a hurdle. And if you lose something in your first year, you have to make that up before you get, you know, you get a piece. It's 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 literally the same thing. So we just, we didn't like do any heavy analytics into like what we should take or anything like that. It was like anything else. I started with one guy, then we had a second guy, then a third guy, then a fourth guy. Ooh, here's a fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. We figured we'd just give everybody 50% because that's, you know, what we just assumed people would want and people whatever. And that's kind of the the structure. Now, over the course of time, you know, uh, people would say, well, I think I deserve more. And again, having no analytics, so say, uh, okay, sure, we'll give you 60. Or another guy we didn't think was that great. Well, how about we start you off at 40? So it's not as if we had it all kind of down to a science. We just kind of just kind of Kind of made it up as we went along, but I think fit but 50% plus makeup, um, is just kind of the standard on which we just started.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, the way I see it is, um, poker shouldn't really be viewed any differently than uh, a, a normal startup, so to speak. And if you consider the players to be like the founders and the backers to be like VC, uh, essentially. Sure, you can make like some arguments for for the founder taking salary or, or things of that nature, but in general, like they're not taking profits if the business isn't profitable, and uh, that that holds true for the lifetime of the business, not just for like a quarter or uh, a single year. So in that regard, like it always made sense to me that your investors need to be made whole prior to uh, anybody getting any sort of profit share. But I think rounders popularized the if you lose, it's on me kind of mentality. Uh, and uh, y- you guys were sharp enough to kind of see through that and ensure that it's, you were, but it's not you were anything, sure. But, but
4: again, you give us so much credit, you know, it's like, there's nothing we're so sharp enough to figure it out. It's just, that's just, we kind of made sense. And, and if people didn't mind doing it that way, then, then, then it was fine for us. We didn't, we never really felt as though we were, you know, that with, this was all kind of planned, you know, we were just yeah. kind of, just kind of, I just kind of went with it along the way, you know, but, but, but think about it another way. Think of it almost from a portfolio management perspective and from a business perspective back then, like Cliff and I were really, really good players. Um, and Cliff be, actually became a better player. And I just kind of stopped. Um, and you think of like online poker in a way that it's cool is you can play eight tournaments at a time, right. Or as many as you want. Mm. And I've played tournaments at a time and Cliff's playing eight tournaments at a time. But you know, the problem with poker and poker tournaments is that, you know, there's variance. So you need to get the sample size. So while I can't play more than eight tournaments at a time, for example, why don't we just get other people to also play eight tournaments at a time, right? So now you have this, this, this group of people playing and now you have eight times say 30 people playing at the same time, you know, now you're smoothing out variance, right? Now you're getting sample size. The idea is that, you know, what's better than having one Eric playing, having 40 Eric's playing at the same time, or even better, you know, having 40 people who are better than Eric, right. Playing at the same time. So that, that was kind of the, what we did think about was that like any, like any internet business or any business at all, any business that does not require you to be doing the thing is good business, right? If you could be sitting there while, while you're making money, not having to do it yourself. That's always really, really
2: cool. Yeah, I think that just speaks to your comprehension of scale. And uh, I, I know that you're, you're saying that this is just all obvious and you don't deserve all that credit, but this is challenging for a lot of people. I think I think having a big picture mindset uh, and, and being able to see the scope and the scale, uh, but also being able to estimate the risk and recognize like when to pull away, right? The, the market's changed a lot uh, I I don't know of too many successful stables any longer because edges are very small. ROIs are getting lower and lower. So, um, you know, from your guys's vantage point, what was, what were the biggest challenges that you were facing, uh, throughout the, the duration of, of running this stable?
4: Well, let's, let's, let's get, let's get to, I guess the, the fun part or the unfun part, right? The unfun part is that you have to worry about getting stolen from. Right. Okay. Um, Stolen from can come in many different different forms. You know, one is you give someone money, they outright steal from you. And that's that's you know, that's another seven hour uh uh podcast of all sure. those stories. Um but stealing comes in different in different forms, right? Because the way we kind of ran our, our accounting was kind of on a balance basis. So someone would start with X amount online, and then at the end of the day, they would report to us how much they have online we didn't go in each day and confirm that that's what they had online or not. Right. We just kind of trusted them that that was what, you know, listen, we had their passwords if we wanted to, but it just didn't make any, it wasn't worth the time to do it. You know? So, so between people just flat out lying about their balances, sending money out to other people, sending it to third accounts to play, to play cash games. And that, that is definitely, you know, something to worry about, but, and I hate to put it this way, but we—not that we didn't care—but it's almost like a kind of like allowance for doubtful accounts, sort of. You know, like, like yeah. there there were guys, and this is kind of sick when you think about it. There were guys that I would I would say let's let's hire this guy to play, and I knew almost with a hundred percent certainty he was going to end up cheating or he was yeah. going to end up stealing from us in some way. But I just didn't care. You know, I just <laughs> figured he would make us enough along the way, right? Yeah. then it would kind of overcome that, you know, and that's, that's, that is kind of like a weird way to to think, you know, but, but back then, this is, this is kind of what the way I kind of dealt with it. And that's one of the benefits of having Cliff is Cliff would be like, are you out of your mind? You know, like <laughs> you can't, you can't operate that way, but you know, this is, this is the thing you think about, you know, what's your ROI and what's your theft adjusted ROI. You know, if, if your theft adjusted ROI is still positive, it might not, it still might be a good investment. So nobody, nobody accused me of being, of being, of being smart, but they accuse me of being smart enough. You know? And I think that, 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 that's something that we always had to challenge of, of when people were stealing, when people were lying. But in the end, it, we, listen, we got beat for a, a decent amount of money. And of course, just like the steroid era, if we know we got beat for a certain amount of money, I'm sure we got beat for eightfold that amount of money over the years, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. But, what you, but what, what listen what are you gonna do um you know people so funny like the the impression people had of us they were saying oh uh these guys have like have contacts at poker stars and 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 party poker whatever who who report people that are shifting money back and forth we didn't have anything like that Wait, hey, it's nice if people felt that way i guess but but it really it really wasn't like that and poker is really what do they call it it's a uh it is kind of what's it honors. What's the thing with honor among thieves or whatever? Yeah, we. Yeah. I really do feel that most people just kind of, kind of did the right thing. And the cool thing that was, our reputation was so cool, was that people were, I think, a little bit afraid that if they stole from us and got caught, that they wouldn't be able to get staked ever again. You know, um, and that 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 kind of helped.
2: I know for sure that was that was real uh just being a part of the scene back then i knew guys that had rolled you and had had their name tarnished it, it, it very quickly got out there right like um speaking to the the like risk adjusted mindset when i first started doing business uh probably like i i guess my first real bankroll was like 2010 one of the biggest pieces of advice i got from uh from from a businessman that i knew pretty well was you should just always assume uh a 20 percent loss uh whenever you're dealing in a cash business like it's basically petty cash to you it's just going to happen there's no way to police it uh humans are humans and you'll have those uh people that you work with who are above board and never take a cent from you and you'll have others that uh are trying to cut every single corner and take as much as they possibly can without uh getting caught but on average you should just assume that like 20% is being siphoned out and make cost benefit analysis uh based off of that number do you think that big picture that is about the right ballpark for uh for what you guys got rolled for, Or do you think it was like way more
4: your your guess, your guess is as good as mine yeah, i mean, I mean that's honestly, brutal <laughs> I mean, like i said mean, i'd love to i'd love to say that i uh that i figured all this out it's, it's so funny at some point I actually pitched a, a backing idea to pretty, you know, a real, real heavy-duty bunch of hedge fund guys to really scale this thing. Mm-hmm. And there were two things that that they asked me. And is one, do you think that this business could scale, right? And the first thing to to your point earlier, I like saying this is, it's not that this business could scale; it actually must scale. You know, right. like uh, for this to work, you have to get you know all these samples. But then he asked, well, what do what do you predict your ROI is would be, or something? I'm like, I'm like, I have no idea. I mean, I really don't, because sample size is so weird with MTTs that it's just impossible to know. And so, so when people would say, "Also, how much do you think you're you're getting stolen from?" I mean, listen, I know this is not what people want to hear, being poker players and stuff, but some of it is this kind of feel. And I'll give you an example. I don't want to get into too many, you know, examples of actual death, but there was one guy who played for us who who. Would you know? He would report his balances, report his balances, and after a certain period of time, he was down like you know 70 80 thousand whatever it was. And the funny thing is, is I looked at him and I said, you know what? Something is wrong. And Cliff's like, what? Why? Do, do you have any idea why? I'm like, no. He's just actually he's just not this bad. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I just yeah, yeah. I just had this feeling that it wasn't as bad. and then I did a little homework, and it seemed as though the loss were a little bit, little bit too consistent right? Yeah. Uh, a little bit too predictable. Like he would lose like exactly like 15% of his bankroll every day somehow. You know what I mean? Right, and that's right. the way. So, so a lot of this and a lot of what we did was, was just kind of a lifetime of feel and, 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 and things like that. Um, but then back to what you said earlier about people like, I don't want to say being afraid or whatever it is, but I mean, our stable was called like so many incredible things. Like one people, one person referred to as the evil empire. I mean, yeah. are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, it's but but hey, hey, whatever works. And we 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 were always like one guy just kind of referred to us as Team SMD, right? And that's kind of what we became known throughout throughout the years. You yeah. know, we have our our, our LLC was Team SND, or my my website is Team. SMD. No, my, 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 people are asking what does Team SMD stand for, and I'm like, well, it's obviously Team Sheets Makes Decisions, right? What, a, <laughs> <laughs> what could possibly be, you know? So so it's um. It's, uh, I'm really glad that we're talking about this stuff because it is, it is really fun. And it is, it was a lot of fun and back in those days. And I, I wonder if people even still back people in this way. I mean, there's so many people that that sells pieces and stakes and things like that. Um, I, I don't even know, are there big backing stables now?
2: There's, there's a couple. Um, okay. I, I know pads had one for the better part of a decade that, They liquidated uh, just after COVID, I believe. Um, BBZ has a big, uh, but they do coaching for profit. So a lot of it has has blended into the coaching for for profit realm. Um, And online is so, it's such a a nefarious landscape now where, uh, you know, I'm not accusing any of these staples of this, but I'm certain that there are staples out there where, they have 10 horses in a room and they're just No
4: no no, I want to talk, I want to talk about this because I also wonder why well, I do have the uh the, the chat up here on the right. Yeah. And someone someone made a comment why is it cool making poker a team sport? I I do want to I do want to speak to this for a minute, okay? About what we did. Sure. Um I mean just to come right out and say it, like like one of the things that we always did with our horses is when we interviewed them or whatever, we would tell them straight out, I don't want to hear about any colluding any soft play or anything. And I would say, especially at tables like that I was at, right. Like if I I told them straight up that if I raised someone and they folded because, and they, for, for, for no reason other than they just felt it was me or whatever it is, um, they'd be fired immediately because we just felt as though that why, why (laughs) cheat? You know what I mean? Like when, when it's, when you could just do it the right way and we never engaged in any stuff like that, you know? And, and so it, it's never for me considered a team sport. As a matter of fact, I mean, when guys for us were at the same table, we would get mad if they were ended up being at the same MTT table, but not because of whatever, but because our EV would be bad. You know, Correct. because one guy yeah. would, one guy would have to lose, you know, but, yeah. but that's one thing is we were really adamant about, about nobody sharing cards or, or anything like that.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that what you guys were doing is very different than what we see now. Uh, oftentimes uh, these stables now are uh, they're they're much more localized. Right. You guys were were certainly national, but maybe even uh, you had some rest of world players as well. Oh, Black yeah. Friday, Yeah. So like everybody's everywhere. Uh, and, you know, you only have so much control. Who knows what they're doing when they're speaking on aim with one another and stuff like that. Yeah. But but that's between them. When it comes to your perspective, it's a sheer numbers game. You guys don't give a shit. There's no reason to have people dumping chips to you or vice versa, right? Like there are ROIs, there are why you being able to add uh, a fraction of a point here or there because of some nefarious play uh, is just bad for the entirety of the business. And I think that speaks to the maturity of where you guys were at when you first came into the space, right? You were in your mid thirties. Uh, you're, you're a lot closer to my age than you are to like Landon's age. Whereas a lot of the guys running stables now are a lot closer to Landon's age. They're young kids who came into a ton of money and all they really care about is bottom line, you know? Well, when
4: I when I said back when we were staking people, there were other kind of smaller stables with like younger people. And, and, and all I would say to them is just, I, I couldn't imagine how they would do it. Because listen, as I said, you had two guys in their 30s that would spend like several hours a day on this stuff you know, and, and it took us like all of our, of our, of our wits to kind of make this work. And you have these other guys that were just trying to like, just kind of like, Oh, Hey, sheets and backs are doing this. Why don't we throw a couple of people together or whatever it is? It's just, it's just hard, you know, it's, it's, it's just hard. So it's not as if, well, you treat it like a business. It's by, it, it, it has to be. I yep. mean, otherwise you you just, you just either get really lucky or or you just get crushed. I have a question. Um, yep. What do you think? What What are the the people that are in the chat? The people who are watching? Like, what is your What is your group look like? Are there people here that were that were mostly there before Black Friday, or mostly younger people? Um, I, I ask for a reason. Um, I wanted I want to do something kind of fun. Sure. Um, one of the things that we did that I did I developed a, a website. Um, of course, Team SMD Poker. Right. <laughs> um, and, and among, <laughs> among, among, among the other parts of it was I. We I put together kind of pictures of some of the guys that we backed in kind of like their their final table um whatever uh picture that they took when they yeah. won
3: yeah and I'm
4: yeah. wondering I mean we can't really turn this into a contest because people would kind of combine and cheat but I wonder if this group whoever's in here can identify like all of the people here these are all pre Black Friday people I mean by, we could just. just the-
2: we could even just do it with this group because Conrad. That's what I'm saying. Like just by yeah. a picture. So can you yeah. enable my
4: screen share?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's enabled. Okay. Um, so. To answer your question, the audience is pretty mixed age wise. Like there are plenty of people who fall into the age bracket of pre-Black Friday, like Conrad. But most of them, I, I don't think we're playing. Like Efro is probably one of the OGs. He'll be able to nail all of these. I know literally everyone.
1: There are very yeah. few people who can get them all. I, I probably won't be able to get them all.
2: I uh, I don't I don't think you can get half. I don't think I can get 3.
4: I was around I don't think I might can be half. able to get them all. I I, I don't I, I don't see, think so. I Dutch. You don't yeah. Think so. Chata, Dutch.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Kansu, somebody put Hanzo in. That that is correct. Hata, that is correct. These are these are these are these are the chalk. Right? Yeah. yeah. Cliff, yeah is that Cliff harder? Is is that Christian harder. That Christian harder. Christian, yeah, Charter. Christian Charter. harder Christian harder would definitely get them all. Um, yeah, for
2: sure. He's Probably Fan, friends with with ab-
4: absolutely that's john Fan. now again there are others besides this and there's some people that whatever whatever um uh who do we have icu rook i don't know who that is
2: uh icu rook, rook is bosky incorrect icu rook is bosky but he's not on here
4: nope below above is correct
2: mm-hmm.
4: backs is not top right he's in there obviously though but yeah
2: look l- young looking backs
4: that is correct. Young-looking backs, uh, right there. With the, I think that must have been a stud bracelet.
2: Okay, that makes sense. So 2005.
4: Yep, Bax is in the middle.
2: Um, a lot of these faces I recognize, and I don't know their names. Yeah. Uh, like well, exactly.
4: I mean, you know. Like stuff.
2: the the bottom row, I recognize all three of them, and wow, I don't that's know. That's amazing. I don't know any of their names. That's
4: Boyd. One oh, of them. Okay. One of them. No is
2: Dutch, a really good Dutch singer, is in right? the bottom three.
4: On the bottom. The bottom row.
2: Uh, I'm seeing something different than you're seeing. Oh
4: yeah. Yeah. Let me scroll down a little bit then. Oh sorry. I'm
2: seeing, I'm sorry. I'm seeing his full screen. Oh, uh, they're, they're only seeing the charter row as the bottom. Uh, I think it's, I think it's because, uh, the way we have it set up, it's cropped. Gotcha. Yeah. So, oh, uh, okay. it's, it's not for, it's not your fault. It's our fault. Um, but basically, uh, who are the bottom three? Because they're not going to be able to see, and I don't know who they are.
4: Uh, the bottom three, uh, bottom left is a much heavier Jason Potter. Okay. J P O S U. Yep. The one in the second from the left on the bottom is. This is the one I'm
2: most embarrassed to not know. He still plays.
4: No, it's Aaron Sturry. Um, yeah. He used to play as Andy Grinder. Yeah, yeah, Andy Grinder. And then on the bottom is, I think, recent. I think he might have recently won a bracelet, Justin uh,
2: why? What was his online name? I forget. <laughs> okay, yeah, forget. that doesn't that doesn't ring a bell to me. But he looks super familiar. I
4: forget.
2: Uh, so I the row above the one that they can see, it's right to left. Madsen. Yep. yep. Uh, who's this? Is the, uh, the good wind? luck? The guy next
4: to Madsen. Good luck to you.
2: Oh, that's Keith Ferreira. That's Ferreira. correct. Keith yeah. Ferreira is correct. Uh, then Dutch. Then Big Hunie, Then. No, not Big Huni. That that's not HUNY. That's that not Hunie. Huni. <laughs> oh damn! It's so small on my screen. All I see Ifro's is the bald hair not and the beard. Be happy, even no, no, not no, Ifro. wait, wait, wait. That's Parker.
4: That is correct.
2: Parker uh, won
4: back-to-back bracelets. By the way.
2: Yeah, I remember he was. He was. I'm like getting real close to my screen so I can see. Hold on. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know who it is. <laughs> I look like the old man. Who's who's wearing the UB patch? That's Brandon.
4: Not... I, I didn't forget Brandon's last name, but Brandon. Um, not Drury. Brandon. So.
2: Hmm. Okay. That's Charter that's, yeah, below, that's Charter. that's Below. That's below again. That's Bax.
4: That's that's Kata. Up here on the top right is someone. who... Carter King, baby. That Carter. is correct. Carter King. Go, Carter King Carter. That is correct.
2: Um, I should know this one. Oh, who is this? I don't know who this is
4: that is ryan hughes uh okay eli cash
2: yep that's
4: this is not this is matt graham oh yeah sorry i skipped over him this is a much younger eric sheets haber that (laughs) is that is
2: you remember him um oh yeah uh oh my god his name is gg monte carlo yeah it's uh gavin gavin griffin
4: Correct. You got fan. We know, we know, Mr. Efro. you got Cantu and come on, be, 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 my hero for the top left.
2: Oh, I don't know who it is.
4: The answer is you got pieced as the shirt wreck uh, describes Corey Carroll.
2: Oh man. Oh That's gee.
0: These names are just like a nostalgia is like rushing through my body right now. I didn't yeah. I
1: never heard like twenty-five percent of those names. Really? Yeah. Yep.
0: They were all they were all legends. They are all like massive. In the players, in the, yeah. the, the the online days. But here, Friday but here days. one
4: one more thing just to uh just to show you. This was this was the site. We have a uh, game theory optimal push full tables like way back we had a <sighs> chop calculator which I coded. We had uh and this this is this was Reshove analysis before snapshot. This before all that you guys stuff. Were, Yeah, so, you were
0: way ahead of the game.
2: Yeah, this is what, what did you use for uh shove reshove charts? It, okay,
4: for shove reach reshove charts, you never believe this. I didn't do it with with GTO. Mm. I actually did it with just you know you had to put in like percentages and stuff, and I yeah. figured out all the algebra on a crayon on a flight to Florida. <laughs> This is
3: that's ab- that's ab- remarkable. This is
4: absolutely true. This is where I created <laughs> all these sheets, the reshoving and open razor. Um, and then we had uh open raise versus shove versus open shove. Then we had uh this one, heads up push fold tables. This I stole from somebody. You know, <laughs> I just figured and, and you know what, there are people that that used to play for me that still go to this for the for the push fold charts, believe it or not. Oh, what what was the time frame
2: in which you built this?
4: This is two thousand and six. That's, wow. that's amazing. That's okay, so this yeah. is this is yeah.
2: legitimately like eight years, yeah. nine years pre solvers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is back when we were using Poker Stove to figure out all of our equities. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: absolutely. That's why you had all those pictures of all those uh, all those people at the final tables holding up the trophies. <laughs> <the cash>. <laughs> you something, had those charts back like in that. the day, something like that.
2: so that does bring me to uh i think a pretty important part of this conversation you you spoke a bit about how uh even when you were trying to pitch this to a major hedge fund uh, volume kind of became a major sticking point i know pad spoke out a lot about this as to a big reason why uh he ultimately got out of backing um you know for him it was all online and basically Twice a year, they would have these outlier events of W Coop and SCOOP and, you know, maybe 80 to 90% of all of your, your volume, uh, monetarily speaking, was being pushed into those two very short series. But all of the volume from a play standpoint was the rest of the year. And so you got made or broken based off of these two outlier events that happened uh, each year. The WSOP had to be that for you guys, right? Like low volume, so, high so buy-ins. Yeah, so this,
4: this is an incredible dynamic. Now, the people that are, that are new to poker, or I see even, not even new, within the past eight years even, you're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. And there's something else I'm going to tell you that you're not going to believe later, literally won't believe. But <laughs> this is true back from when we started backing people. When we started backing people, people wanted to play live, right? But we told them that in order to earn the right to play in the tough live tournaments, you had to play the easy online tournaments. Okay, <laughs> uh, but, but, yeah. but we weren't hustling people like back then. That's what people thought that the online was easy and the live against the famous guys was hard. Okay, right. and 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 so obviously that's that's now completely changed. But but you think about it. Well, yes, the World Series became that kind of outlier event by the by the time it got there it was it was actually easier right than mm-hmm. online you know right. and 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 the cool thing is that everybody wanted to play the main and the main it's a, that one unique tournament where the highest buy-in is the softest right mm-hmm. um so you know yes a, a good amount of our of our of our live bankroll obviously was was geared towards the world series and our big goal throughout the prelims was, and we, we were able to do this a couple of times is to make enough in the prelims to be totally free rolling the main. And we wow. did that like twice. And that's actually really impossible, yeah. but but we were, we were able to do that. And then, you know, we saw, we sometimes had what, 60, you know, people playing in the main or something like that. And it wasn't like we were taking 10%, you know, we were, we were, you know, we, were we were in for 600, you know, that was, that was, <laughs> that, that was right. And that was like legit. And we already had to figure it out like before this season that, that we figured out, we kind of instinctively knew that before every big World Series, we needed like four bracelets to break even wow. pretty much. You know what I mean? Sick. Like if you if you if you if you busted the main event. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's true. I mean, the main event is uh, a and, and the W Coupe. it does create, you know, a big a big imbalance. But like I said, we didn't know what we were doing. You know, we just we just figured that 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 the World Series and the World Series main was the best the best event. And we ran like freaking Jesus in the main event. I <laughs> it must mean, have been such a great to, feeling. To, no, just to, to, to say the least. And, yeah. you know, it, you know, we talk about it and we talk about poker in general. And listen, you know, we, we've had enough players who we thought were good enough to win the main event. And sometime in the next, you know, 372 years, we were going to have somebody win one, right? But it turns out that we got, you know, the distribution risk. Was was you know kind of on our favor you know it and and the guys that we had do well in the main event were over here instead of 400 years after my my grandson died and that's you know <laughs> that's just kind of the wake up sometimes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Con- <laughs> Conrad snaps his fingers to give me no that was
1: before I was going to ask him what was the most amount of horses he had in the main event uh, and okay. as
2: that happened I uh, I, I think I, I think maybe sixty I think. What uh, how, how many? Better way of phrasing this: How many bracelets did you guys collectively uh, accrue throughout all the back years? I'm not years? sure. I,
4: wait, I didn't really think that. that I I, never really I mean,
2: if you needed four per year, <laughs> just to break even.
4: In the big, in the big years. I mean. Yeah, you know, yeah, we, yeah, of course, of course. course. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe twenty. I'm not. I was sure gonna say it had
2: to be dozens, right? Yeah,
4: something like
2: that. And then uh Cada was your only main event champion, correct? Yep. But um, you had multiple final table lists?
4: Yeah, and Elon got third. Um,
2: the year prior. That,
4: and that was the, and then the, the real sick thing is, I don't know if anybody knew this, but the year that Kata won, mm-hmm. we had three guys at the final two tables. Wow.
2: <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> uh, I believe Nick Mamoni was one. He got 15th. That is correct. Yeah. Mm, yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, he and, got 15th and, that year for 750. That was yep. the Kata year? Yeah. Yeah. Was it? Wow. Yeah who was the I third wasn't
4: even, i wasn't there i was i was grinding i was grinding a foxwoods tournament
2: the, sure the, sure why, <laughs> why bother with the world series when you have the foxwood daily to to hold your belt <laughs> the, at no
4: it wasn't the daily it was it was it was the 10k though uh, It was it was that november that november i i i busted because oh, right, it was november nine
2: mm-hmm. yeah
4: yeah yeah no, no no the the yeah the last yeah the last uh yeah the the main event final day yeah i wasn't i wasn't there for uh for for con i was actually playing uh boxwoods that day and then i came back i got home at like midnight and they were already down like five people or something
2: do you feel like kata winning the main event kind of validated the vision that you guys had for the backing business i mean maybe you guys didn't really have a vision for it but do do you think that like validated the decision to actually do this
4: no um i i I think it was validated way before that Um, yeah i mean i i I look i I don't want to come off like this right but I, I was really, I was really proud of, 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 what we did. You know what I mean? Like, like just, just getting, listen, we made, we made a lot of money doing it. I don't want to say that we were, you know, altruistic about this, but when when I look back and see like all these people that were able to start to play, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. of it, yeah. I'm, re- I, I, I'm really happy about it. And, and, and even after I stopped and stopped back, whatever it is, I still see the same people that we were, we had. And, you know, God, seriously, God knows where these people would be if they, they weren't given a shot. You know, because right. let's look, MTTs are are you know it, it's it's a cruel it's a cruel what you call cruel vixen whatever it is. I mean, MTTs is tough business. So, and, and it's it's funny. I, I one of these days i maybe I'll ask you this question. I wonder if the best MTT tournament player, whoever that is, you know what I mean. Let's say this universe where you can determine who that is. I wonder if the best MTT tournament player is someone who is just broke. You know what I mean? Right. Someone that just happened to be on the wrong side of variance at the wrong time and is just broke. You know, it's it's very possible. You know, it's I I, I brought when I was at uh, visiting California once. I brought my 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 friend Ted through the Commerce. I had to go do something, and I told him. I said, "Listen, you want to no know example of how cool poker is?" I pointed him to two people. I'll, I'll say one of them is one of them was Gavin Griffin. He was sitting at the table. The other one was somebody else, and I said, "Listen, one of these guys." is the exact same skill as the other guy that guy over there made like 2 million in monte carlo is off on his own and doesn't have to worry forever this guy over here is 300 000 to make up and it's probably going to end up broke yeah. you know and yeah. and they're the exact same skill
2: yeah yeah, yeah that is uh Kind of the unfortunate nature of all this you know we've spoken about volume kind of in passing but i don't think people really understand what that truly means like in live in a lifetime you may not get enough volume to actually break even on your distribution uh and that in and of itself is a really bitter pill to swallow if you've been on the negative side of things like you just ruin yourself i'm seeing i'm seeing uh
4: derek make a comment saying clearly he's talking about alan kessler so I want to talk about Alan Kessler, <laughs> not, not, not him. I've never, I don't think I've actually met him. Uh, just know him by reputation or whatever mm-hmm. is, I want to talk about Alan Kessler in this way. So one people ask me if you, if you could pass on any wisdom about MTTs and back, whatever it is, there are two ways. Okay. To go broke. Well, there are many, but there are two ways to go broke playing MTTs. And listen, you're you're a really smart guy. I mean, you're, you're when I when I when I watch some of your podcasts, I think like thirty percent of the words you 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 say are made up, right? I have to actually actually Google like how. That's they are. because they are. <laughs> they, are. Right? they are. I mean, some you came up with a word like I think it was contextualization. Or, like, to be made up, you know? I literally had to go. Doesn't it just mean context, right? So I had to go back anyway. So you're, it up, you know? so you're kind of a smart guy. So there, there was an old poem. and I, I made a whole video about this. It was called Fire and Ice. It's by Robert Frost. And the whole thing was that there were two ways the world was going to end, either by fire or by ice. And fire kind of referred to the metaphor of evil and stuff like that. And ice referred to the metaphor as people just being cold to one another, or whatever. So there are two ways that people go broken poker. One is by fire. And these are the people who are just obviously way too aggressive. They go on tilt. They just, there's just too freaking nuts. And those people will go on, you know, go broke. But the real nasty way to go broke is to go broke by ice and to be that player that is just way too tight. Okay. Yeah. And I backed so many people like this that mm. will just wait and wait and wait. They will go all in with the best and lose. And over the course of time, they won't lose it as fast as the people that are just awful and, and aggressive. But make no mistake, they will lose it all <laughs> in right. the long run. And it's a crueler way to lose, you know, because you're blaming it on, on variance, right? You're blaming it on being a bad coin flipper or whatever it is. So it's, um, and and that is one, I guess that's a lesson I want to impart to all poker players in general. And this is for me, like, I always had the reputation for being a tight player. Um, and, you know, you, you learn to accept your faults and you kind of learn to you know, get better at them. But those are, the, those are the types of people we back that they ended up with a couple hundred thousand and make them just like the psychos did, okay? But those people just did it drip, drip, drip. And that, that was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, there is no escaping variance in this game for sure. Uh, I'm a fire guy, if, if that's not <laughs> obvious. But um, you can either weaponize the variance in your favor and prey upon the people who are fearful of uh, risk or who are risk averse or you can as you say uh let your patience get the best of you there's uh doyle opens um super system with a bit of a, a a fable of sorts uh kind of mockingly saying uh you don't want to go the death of broomcorn's uncle anning yourself to death uh want
4: to, you, you want to know something that we did i thought i don't know like these these are things that we we tried everything right and some things worked some things didn't and one of the things that i guess we should talk about is is the difference between playing when you're in makeup and playing when you're not in makeup? Yeah. Okay. And this was a really big deal. Okay. There are people that that can play the same regardless of whether they're you know in uh, you know in the plus like they're getting money right away, and play the exact same way when they're two hundred thousand in makeup when they're not going to be paid for a while. Right. But those people are very very rare. Okay. Uh. Couple of people we talked about here are people like that. Okay. I want to give names or whatever. But that's that's a really tough thing for a person to manage and for a, a player to manage and for a backer to manage. Because remember, you're hiring someone based on them playing a certain way. But if they go 300,000 makeup, you know, they become sometimes a different player. Now we'd like to think that we could, you know, interview them before and and do whatever, but but sometimes it gets rough out there. And and even though we tell people, you know what, you can't quit with makeup, right? Okay, mm-hmm. they'll they'll agree to that. But what do they talk about? Like nowadays, what like quiet quitting, right? Like they like they won't actually quit with makeup, but they won't play as much. They won't play so well. So we did all kinds of stuff, like sometimes you know, kind of makeup forgiveness day or something like that. You know, where on this particular day, didn't matter what your makeup was, you know, we pay you off or something like that. Yeah, that that's something we tried. Um, another thing that we tried, relative to what we just said about people playing too tight, there was one guy who he became like a, a constant flat, right? And not because he thought it was good, because he every time he seemed to get re-raised, he just felt as though they always played back in him. Now, usually that means they're just hallucinating, right? Um, and they don't remember the times that people folded. So what we did with this one particular guy, we thought he was going to lose all his money if he just kept playing this way, but he didn't want to change. So I said, I'll tell you what I'll do for the next week. All I want you to do is when it gets folded to you, or excuse me, if anybody either raises ahead of you or folds to you, you either have to re-raise or fold. Okay, that's it. And I will tell you what, I will absolve all losses during this week if you play this way, okay? <laughs> that's great. It won't count against your makeup at all. Yeah. And and listen, I, I'd like to say that there's a great story that the guy you know, won. Money <laughs> he, he, he
2: went <laughs> on to win the WCube
4: Championship. <laughs> no, and... I mean, not really. But the, the point is, is that it did kind of show him, you know, how you know you can you can do well by re-raising. And I think in the long run, even though he probably lost a little bit that week doing it that way, mm-hmm. um, again, it's something again. We, we there was no there was no best practices out there. We were right. just literally making it up, you yeah. know. And and one of these days, again, I, I always thought about you know putting together a best practice things, but you know how it is. Everybody's, everybody's like, you know, sheets is old. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't, he he doesn't, he doesn't know how to play the way people play now. And, and, and what does he know? Just like, you know, people ask me about crypto and all this stuff people aren't going to listen but that, but that's fine.
2: Well, all all of that could be true and you could still be worth some value. You know, you might be old and you might not know modern game theory, but, true. uh... that's true you that's do true. know investments mm-hmm. right like you run a hedge fund i i would be very quick to listen uh to what you feel best practices are uh and along those lines uh there's a lot of navigating right uh, what, what was the most amount of horses you guys had at once let's start with that 80 ish maybe yeah, something that, like that that's still a lot to manage yeah um, i actually thought it would be more I actually thought. So, I thought too, it would be more be like
0: in the in yeah.
1: Man, I'd be sad to be 200. one of the twenty not playing the main that year. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, think of
4: well, it, it this important. way. So, so you have, and the way you know, I guess I can talk about the, the way the our accounting system worked was literally everybody would email us what their balances were, and then we would put them. We did we did develop in a kind of a cool accounting system, and we'd put them in their balances, and the balances would, would you know, everything would populate. Their P and L would populate. Then a cool little thing was we'd get a notification of whether the people would need more money in their online accounts based on this kind of min-max formula we put for people that that if they they dip below a certain amount we would know how much to to, to give them and mm. it would actually pre-make an email saying sent two thousand whatever it is and but the thing is is that we actually inputted all the data ourselves like manually like oh, wow. like Dude. like we did it we didn't like let the horses do it we didn't have any we didn't have interns do it we didn't have whatever. And people would say, "Well, that's like the stupidest business decision you can make, right?" Isn't the whole thing about about running a business is you need to know what you can delegate, right? Like, like is that Eric and Bax's best use of their intelligence is to actually doing data entry? You, you would think not, but but even so, like if 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 Berkey sends me a balance and says that he lost, you know, thirty two hundred, I might say, "No, oh, that makes sense. I'll just input it." But if say someone else sent me a, a thing saying they lost 3,200, me, I'd be saying, well, that doesn't make sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so you'd have to kind of have a real intimate knowledge of like, well, all your horses even to do something as, as mundane as, as data entry. So, so where that's the one thing we never actually did was was really automate everything. And obviously the, the sites were never going to, you know what I mean? Like they weren't, yeah. they, they, they didn't want to know from us, you know, as far as that goes.
2: I think that's um, actually a particular process that's pretty smart not to automate for a lot of the reasons that you're saying. It also forces you to do due diligence and constantly be checking in. Uh, what what was the rate of attrition? So like, what was the turnover as far as like hiring and firing?
4: Um, I mean, are, we were always kind of open. You know, as far as like new people, you know, uh, I don't think there was ever a time where we said we're just not taking anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was like that. Um uh and usually when people cash for a, a big a big payday, they would leave. Yeah. It certainly makes sense, you know. Yeah. But but some people wouldn't, you know, some people wouldn't. Um, and there were very, very few people that kind of intentionally left us with makeup, you know, even in Violet violation call it what it is right i mean like right, yeah. even though they said they wouldn't right sure um very little of that but but there were several people that we had to or i had to because cliff never wanted to is is to to fire them even though they had makeup okay mm-hmm. um and that's tough right it's kind of like stock market stuff like where where do you cut losses you know and, and you think about it is is that you know if the guy's down two hundred thousand. You you can't you can't really look at it like he lost two hundred thousand. You got to think about it. If he came to me and said I want backing right now, right? And even though I would get a hundred percent of the first two hundred thousand, would I do it? And if I didn't think he was a winning player or whatever, you, you probably should just get rid of him. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and and we had to do that a couple of times. And there were people that you know, uh, and this is like kind of accounting stuff. There are people that made money playing for us that we lost money on, right? Because sure. they, they would they would make fifty thousand, they would get paid twenty-five, and we would pay them like once a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is that's, that's another thing for another discussion. We we wouldn't pay them once they cleared, we'd pay them once a month. So they have to finish the month ahead, which provided other kinds of issues. But um, and then if once you pay them the twenty-five, then they would lose like a hundred. Right. So we mm-hmm. would actually be down seven uh, uh you know, seventy five thousand. But they'd be up twenty-five thousand. So when people ask, like, how much money did did we make back in? It's not a question of how much the players made, right? And it's not even a question of how much the players made divided by fifty percent, right? right? Usually, the total amount of like cash flow uh, that we would have is maybe about like twenty-one percent or so. You know, like let's say the players made like a million dollars. We we as a net cash flow basis probably would have made about two hundred thousand of that. But mm-hmm. then we'd have this kind of this this, this, this equity on the books, like this makeup on the books, like, like what, what value does that have? Right. What value is it? You know, Berkey, you're, you're, you're 50,000 in makeup. How do I value the ability to have 100% of Berkey's action over the next 50,000? I mean, that, that's some value, right? I, I don't yeah. know exactly, exactly what it is.
2: Yeah. 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 I think that's really, uh, I, I think that's the, the, the mind fuck that is this backing deal, right? when when you're cash flow positive like you're saying uh you kind of just don't think about it right it's it's similar to owning an asset just like like right now i own a house that is uh valued at you know x amount of dollars but the the market is decreasing day over day so my equity isn't the true uh, equity on the books but i don't think about it because i don't i don't need the money right and it's kind of the same thing with uh having horses and makeup on the books and things of that nature but when you start to go a little more flat you need to start to consider these decisions, right? Because now you can kind of scale back or claw back uh, some of your profits by just simply backing fewer people or uh, taking on less risk for people who may be even, maybe losers. Uh, Did you have protocols in place when it came to firing people? Like, was there a specific conversation that you usually had? Was there a number that was kind of a benchmark where you started to check in?
4: I, it's so fun. I I, I'm, I I get so much credit from like so many people. <laughs> we had this, we had this like trigger point that was that we had this magic black box that if they made thirty one percent of their ROI, you know, as, as a Fibonacci retracement of their most recent, <laughs> <laughs> this is where we're supposed to to, to back thirty seven percent of the equity or something like that. No, I mean like we just kind of said, dude, this guy's really sucking. We gotta get rid of him. You know? What yeah. I mean? Or, or or sometimes we would say, you know, this guy made four is, is on forty percent right now. He just made a big hit. Let's give him fifty. Why? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, and and you know, it's funny. I don't want to switch switch gears too much, but but you know, I I didn't you know I, I intentionally didn't really want to chime in too much on like all the Robbie stuff. But I, I mean, I had I, I had my thoughts on it. I'm just yeah. in, in summary, I'm kind of a team Alex Jacob on this one. Okay, okay. but 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 nonetheless, um, one of the things that people were always asking as kind of like, but why didn't this? Why the piece of did this? And one thing that people were always asking was, well, unless they were cheating, why would Rip put, you know, what's her name, Robbie in state in this impossible game? Like, this makes, like, no sense. And I thought about that, you know, like, from a backer's perspective, you know? like, And if I went back and looked at some of the people I put in some of the shit that right. I put them in, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. someone would ask me to justify it, I would have no good reason, you know, other than to say, I don't know. It seemed like the thing to do at the time, you know. Yeah. It, you guys are full players like at heart. Dude. <laughs> yeah. I put one guy in the fifty thousand dollar horse tournament at World Series, who probably be negative EV in in ten no limit, you know, or whatever, you know. So, <laughs> so, so just, 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 I don't remember why I did it, you know. We were we were running hot, you know. The guy asked nicely. I wasn't in a good mood. I didn't see what was going on over there. Did I tell him yes? I guess so. He's got his ticket, you know. So, so it's not it's this there, not it's not always something to say that we everything was planned, you know. Yeah, it yeah. just some things just kind of work.
2: Well, That's there it. there is uh, one elephant in the room that we haven't really discussed that uh, I think is worth revisiting. We kind of touched on it on Friday, but how did Black Friday affect the the whole business, and how quickly thereafter did you guys absolve? Well, what I would like to say. And this is this this really might be
4: true. Black Friday might have saved us millions of dollars. Um, if you want to know the truth, because yeah. the games were already getting really tough. Mm-hmm. Okay. And keep something in mind, you know, when we when we, we back people, you know, we backed them again based on whether we thought they could make money, you know, and, and the, the idea is that the poker players we backed. I mean, think about this conception. We didn't need them to be good. We needed them to be good enough, right? right. And, and 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 what was good enough in 2005, 6, 7, and 8 might not, and I would say definitely was not, you know, good enough in 2011, 2012. Um, the games were already getting much more difficult. Um, we were already starting to say, boy, do we really want to play? put people in these W coops? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, we, and, and so... I don't know what would have actually happened if we just continued to scale up after black Friday, but I'm pretty convinced that at least the quality of players that we had at that time would not, I don't think they really would have been profitable over the next five years. Um, and again, I can never prove that it was, again, just kind of, kind of a feeling I had. And, and, um, So in a a really weird way, I think it might have saved us a lot of money.
2: I mean, I think your instinct is probably true, right? Like uh, I have a fairly good finger on the pulse of who you guys back throughout the years. And if we look at post Black Friday, I can name five to ten guys that have been pretty successful that were with you. Uh, You know, the the charters of the world, and um, you know, below above for a time thereafter. I'm sure you guys would have done fine. Kata is probably one of your biggest success stories, though. I don't know if he stayed with you after the main event. When, uh, with all that said, though, I'm sure that for every Stout and Charter and Kata and below above, there were ten or fifteen guys that were just barely getting by. That certainly would have been eaten alive in the the post Black Friday landscape.
4: Well, one of the things that again we never really did, and this is this is I get a lot of respect to to, to pads at the other guys that really do this was we never really put the coaching piece in with the the backing piece you know and, and, you know we we remember at the beginning right cliff was like the number one online player in the world pretty much when we started at yeah. we started right yeah. and i and i was up there at the time but even still you know when we would tell people we would want to help them they would they would really just be paying lip service if you want to know the truth i mean they, they, they really didn't want to hear it you know they they we we told them listen we will teach you this we'll teach you that but they they either we were old or they knew best or whatever it is so so you say that you'll make coaching available and but but we really i don't want to say drop the ball on that but but mm-hmm. we didn't really get into the coaching part like for example and it, it depends on your skill set right so so cliff I, I don't know if he still does, whatever. but, but I was not a, um, a Holden, Re- not holding resources. Uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, what's the thing in the background,
2: the, uh, PT4, so I don't even know what it's called poker tracker or whatever. It is. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't a poker
4: tracker guy. I didn't, I didn't have the, I didn't have all that. I didn't worry about the stats, you know, whatever. Cause who, who knows 2007, eight, who needed to. Right. Yeah. And, and so, so I didn't do that. And Cliff really didn't do that too much either. And so but as we go, went along, I really thought it was important that people kind of knew how to do that. So I thought about, you know, hiring other people to at least help them with the with with that component of it. But that's one thing that we really didn't do much was at listen, I'd like to say that if people asked, we'd help them get better. But at least from my perspective, I I listen, I gave them tools, I gave them subscriptions to Poker X Factor, I helped them when they asked me. I don't know if i ever actually made anybody better and sure. i don't know whether that's considered good or bad I, it really was just kind of giving them a the platform to play and the confidence to do
2: yeah it. i mean it probably just wasn't your your role or job at that time but in today's landscape where it's so much more competitive it's just a yeah. necessary evil uh it's yeah. it's necessary for the students because they need more than just money now a lot of them need money plus guidance and it's necessary for the uh the the investors because otherwise mm-hmm. they just don't see a return you know, uh, well, well and, have, and I
4: don't listen. I don't want to get too much into the Brit, into the Brin stuff, right? Because Miss, I know Brin a long time. yeah he, he's from from around here, you want mm-hmm. to know, you know, and and you know, I, I didn't want to get involved in all the other all the nonsense, but but call nonsense whatever. But th- there are some interesting points. Is that you know you have one guy's putting up money who expects, um, you know, people to do certain things and to you know to play a certain way or or to learn a certain thing, and you have other. And you have the horses who want to make that that person happy because they're responsible for the money piece, you know. Right. And so it's it's a weird thing, you know, where where the on the one hand, I want to say it as a back, I said, listen, I'm not going to tell you how to play. You kind of do your own thing, you know. But then you have, you know, it's your money, and if you feel as though they should be doing a certain thing, do you owe it to yourself? Forget them. Do you owe it to yourself to? I don't want to say require them to do it, right? right. Mm-hmm. But but at least strongly encourage them to do it. It's 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 very true.
2: Yeah. I think well, I don't I don't want to touch on the Brent stuff. I have my own opinions. Uh just you know, having known him for almost two decades and everything that was going on in the in the shadows, I guess. Yeah. Um online's just, you know, it, it's it's a sketchy place. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, when Black Friday happened, how did you guys navigate the frozen funds? How much of your liquidity was like locked up? Uh, you know, I know you guys were more of a stars team than full tilt, so you got fortunate in that regard. But uh, what did you do about the frozen funds? And did the onus fall on the horses or on you?
4: Yeah, I don't know why you thought we didn't have enough on full tilt. <laughs> well, I, <yeah>. <laughs> I'm <laughs> we sure pretty, you had we were, plenty, but we we're pretty heavy on full tilt and and, and, and on U B as well. By the yeah. way, um, and uh, the. the <laughs> The day before, I think UB went down. I I sold somebody, I bought like a hundred thousand UB money for cash or something like that. Jesus. So I, it's like again, nobody accused me of really being smart. That's like one of the great myths of poker, you know. But <laughs> that's that that, that that that's what happened. But it, it really wasn't like that big a deal. Like when it happened, you know, Clifford and I were like, "What, what are we gonna do?" You know, it's like we're not gonna we're yell and scream. You know, we're, we told the horses, "Listen, when you get the money back, you know, send it to us." You know, yeah. and that and that was, and I don't think that anybody you know, I don't remember. I I really, maybe one person screwed us, but it was, listen, we didn't keep balances that big anyway. So it was only maybe a couple of thousand dollars. Sure, It was just, you know, just, it's, you know, the thing, what, what, what do you guys learn in Catholic school? Whatever the things you can control, the things you can't control whatever it is. I mean, there was really nothing we could do, you know? So we just waited. We just waited to get paid just like everybody else.
2: Yeah, that's fair. Um, uh, coming out of uh, the, the the whole pre-Black Friday, post-Black Friday era, you guys really did spawn the careers of a lot of OGs, so to speak, and, and guys that are still around. The one that sticks out the most to me, uh, obviously, Kata was the, the the crowning achievement winning the main event, but the one who sticks out the most to me as having the tightest relationship with you guys, and maybe a lot of our audience isn't familiar with him, is Kevin Saul, below above. Uh, for the better part of a decade, this guy just tortured online uh tournaments i mean he was he was just one of the best he was laggy before laggy was a cool thing to do he was kind of the uh the american version of mormon so to speak how did that relationship form were you guys as close as it appeared and uh you know what kind of set him apart in your opinion from from your other horses
4: yeah i mean it's it's listen i I, listen i I like joe Canna, whatever it is but you know, like Joe is not really like the typical you know uh, horse that we had. He only played for really he only played for us for a little while,
3: mm-hmm. you know.
4: And the, the guys I really remember more, you know, the people like below that they're whatever. And I, and I, and I, um, and I back below like before Cliff and I even met. I think, um, you know, we we uh, and I think that's how Cliff and I finally got together in backing was I said, "Hey, oh, you want to come along?" You know, I have below above among other people, whatever it is. So, so Kevin is just you know he was just there you know, right back in the party poker, poker stars days or whatever it is. And, and he always, you know, he was, he was always a really, really good player, always very laggy. And he was really, really loyal. He was, you know, he, he helped us. I don't to say vet like players and stuff, but he would, he would come to us sometimes and say, this guy's, this guy's playing bad. You know, he didn't want to be a snitch or anything like that, right, right, you know, yeah. whatever, but, but he's he like was like upper all, management sort of. Sort of, you know, but, but he was, you know, listen, uh, he's one of the guys, I mean, I root for everybody, obviously, but, but, but he's one of the, like you said, one of the original guys that I kind of root for.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I I
4: have I I actually do have one story I want to tell, which is, this is a, this is a story I've never told. I want to say publicly, but to, to this big audience. Now, when I say this, I'm going to tell you in advance that you're literally not going to believe. I can't wait. (laughs) And nobody in this chat is going to believe it, but all I can tell you a 100% true. Okay. So, of all of the successes that Team Sheets, Bax has, this is 100% true. Bax, in my office, right here in Syosset, literally invented the word bink. <laughs> that is a true statement as applied to winning something, mm. cashing something. And I dare you to find any reference of the word being to used in that way prior to 2005 to disprove that. And the way it all came about was, now this is going way back, but during the party poker days, when someone would go all in in party poker, there'd be a whole stack of chips that would go from the big bottom all the way to the top. It would kind of like accelerate like that to go all in. Mm. And at the end of that, they would make a sound. They would go, burr, bink, burr, bink, just like that. Can't confirm. So whenever we would go all in, especially on party poker, he would say, bink. And then once we started, we started winning the all-ins, he would say, bink. And one thing led to another. And literally, the word bink was created by Cliff Johnny Bax Josephine. And that is 100% true. That's incredible. I, I believe <laughs> it. I do, too. Yeah. I also
2: believe that, is... that uh, um, I'm very confident in this. I also believe that he invented whining it in uh, <laughs> as far as bemoaning his bad luck until he just finally won something massive. I've, I've never seen somebody chip lead and complain the way Bax does. <laughs>
4: Now there, there, there. We, we listen. We have plenty. We have, we have plenty. But, uh, but I'll tell you, the, the thing I really miss the most about online. You want to know the truth? Now that Efra is here, is I think he's been on chat for a while. There's nothing better, honestly. I mean, listen. I know it's all about now, like wearing the hoodie and being polite, and and all this stuff. Good hands, sir. You know, whatever it is, and be whatever. Nothing was better than freaking spamming the chat box. Up. <laughs> I mean, when 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 you needed an ace. And you put a thousand a's in a row in the chat box on the way to go down, and then God forbid somebody busted you. All the different anagrams you would have to curse them, you know, whatever it is. I mean, this that was really honestly what made it fun. Okay, yeah, Yeah. the winning and the poker and all that stuff, but just the pure wild, wild west of it, where you could say whatever you want until you listen until the until the Lee Jones bat a band hammer came in and you got. And you got your chat band. And that was like the worst when you got your chat band. <laughs> um, but, but I thought it was kind of fun. Like you, someone would say, yeah, listen, I don't want to go over all these. But there was incredible like anagrams that, that would call people all kinds of whining and crying names and things like that. And I honestly like had so much fun playing and, and so much fun playing and so much fun and part of the reason I love staking people online is because, listen, I'd be busted out of the tournament. There are other things I can watch, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I would then go just always had a sweat, spam the chat box for other people and stuff like that. <laughs> and I gotta tell you, it was just listen, it was just it was just a shitload of fun.
2: Sweating was definitely fun. Yeah. Uh, what you're really saying is that you miss Alan Berry and Olivier Biscay.
4: <laughs> well, you know, let me tell you something. Olivier Biscay, he probably doesn't have the nicest thing to say about me. I was a I was a terrible I was a terrible arbiter in a dispute. Between him and other people. Um, it was it was totally my fault. Most most things are are actually my fault. Um <laughs> starting with everything that goes, goes out of my house. <laughs> yeah, something that goes out of my house. Everything's always my fault. I just kinda learned that way. But but I was kind of, you know, I, I that was that was pretty bad. But uh Alan Barry, I want to shout out to Alan Barry. So Alan Barry, I went to his establishment the last couple of years, a couple of times. He runs this great place called Hudson, Hudson Table, Table, which is yep. Both in Hoboken, actually in Philly and Brooklyn, it's kind yep. of like a kind of an upscale cooking class. He was always into that um, back back in the day, and he's really developed a really really nice business. It's really uh, it, it's a, it's a, it was an awesome time both times I went.
2: Yeah, he's he's one of my favorite people. Uh, good friends with Alan. Uh, looking forward to actually having him on at some point. But um, in case you were wondering if uh, if there is still a realm. Where spamming the chat box still exists, it's, it's my this, text it's in messages. This, it's
4: in this chat, right here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Uh, no, it's in my text exchanges with Alan. <laughs> He'll just tell me how shit I am twenty four seven. Nobody watches more poker content than Alan Berry. Like the day he left was the day he started consuming everything, mm-hmm. which is a
0: player to a fan.
2: Yeah, which is quite fascinating. But uh, it never has a single nice thing to say. Uh, it's it's really remarkable. I get told to die in a grease fire. on the weekly uh, and that's why we love alan i fucking love this guy angry alan yeah well you you
4: brought up olivia i'll give you one olivia so so he played as as adonis something or other on poker stars yeah every once in a while i would i would play heads up you know not cash but heads up sit and goes Mm. and i think that if you have you know i I don't know what a good roi is for heads up sit and goes i would imagine if you're 10 percent, that's pretty big yeah imagine
2: yeah
4: I, i swear i think that I played him 20 times. I may have won one. Sure. Okay? It, it's it's when you play like guys, they're real and maybe love to talk about poker too, with you because especially with cash and, and, and the way things are now, yeah. when you play someone who's that much better than you at something, it's almost like, do you, do you play chess, uh, Matt, or not?
2: I, I don't actually.
4: Okay. So if a good chess player can kind of appreciate this, when you're playing like a grandmaster, somebody really good, it feels as though like the table is like kind of tipped and all the pieces are just kind of, like, falling at you. Yeah, and you're, yeah, like, yeah. defending against, like, all of them. And when you're playing someone who's really, really good at poker and really, really good at heads up, that's the way you just kind of feel, is that just you're just kind of at a slope and everything's kind of just just playing at you, you know? I, listen, I don't really play that much anymore. I played, listen, I played like everybody did, you know, like during COVID, right? Mm-hmm. And I played ACR and I played, you know, whatever it is. But listen, when I when I watch you guys analyze poker... Forget and, and, and Doug and listen, Doug, 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 and Landon, these guys are all guys that were that started playing after I stopped. Right. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah. I have no idea what these people. They don't know who I am, right? Whatever right. it is. And when I hear, like when I first heard hear Doug like kind of talk about hands, you know how I I think, ah, oh, this is bullshit. It's a, he's talking about it after the fact and he's making up all these things that he could have, should have analyzed along the way, now knowing the results and this, that, and the other thing, just just like whatever. And and then I like here, like when preparing for this, I watch you and Landon, I guess, uh talking about poker hands and cash games. I have to tell you, you know, the 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 level of analysis and the level of, I don't know whether it's from solvers or whatever it is, it's just really, really next level. I mean, the fact that not to like overpipe you or whatever, the fact that you're able to get survive, like thrive through poker wise, through all these different, all these different shifts in the way people play is kind of is kind of amazing. Um, so uh listen, you you keep whatever you're doing up as far as poker goes, I certainly wouldn't be able to play in this type of environment.
2: Yeah, um, I, I really appreciate that. I, I think what you're describing when you're talking about Olivier is uh, it, it's it's the unknown, right? And and there's less of that now. We have so much more vision because of solvers. Like we we know what to look for. Um I saw it as like my exit. Like I thought for sure I was done when solvers really became the forefront because uh you know my background is in computer science and you you just spend a lot of time building logical frameworks and that's kind of how your mind begins to work so even though i did have this big creative side to me i i often operated under these boundaries of like you know logic and, and trying to follow some sort of line of thinking that uh mathematically made some sort of sense so when solvers came to be a lot of the things that i kind of just observed within the game that I thought were important to pay attention to came to the forefront things like blockers like so paying attention to specific suits paying attention to uh how your hand interacted with the top card versus like the the middle and bottom card uh things of that nature and I was just like okay well I'm fucking done because this is what my edge was and now it's becoming common knowledge but uh you know as we advance and and the game gets More found out at the surface level. What we realize is just how deep it goes. And the second that you do something like what I'm personally enjoying the most now is like thousand big blind poker. Like if you can get into a game where people are sitting a thousand big blinds deep, we just get transported back into 2008. You're just playing like you
4: think. You think think there's a big difference between well, I'll I'll do a follow question. You think there's a big difference between a thousand big blind poker and and 200 big blind poker? Is there there a big difference?
2: It's a chasm. Um, Really, that's so interesting. I mean, what you would see happening at, at like, the theoretical level is that, you know, most pots just play, like, check down to the river. Not, uh, I'm I'm over-exaggerating, right? But most pots play relatively passively or defensively to the river until one range that is uncapped can just polarize. And then you see, like, 20x pot shoves. Uh, Like, that's what the computer would be looking to do.
4: Because... Let let, let me ask another one thing. If anybody wants to ask a question, they could do that, too. Sure. Um... (laughs) <laughs> what about, um, I, I've only started watching some of these HCL streams really after the Robbie thing happened. I, I don't follow yeah, any of yeah.
3: yeah. I
4: didn't follow Apostle. I didn't follow, I don't follow the live live cast games. Let me ask you, these, these, these people that are in these, these, uh, uh, games, like, like Garrett, mm-hmm. uh, I guess Andy, like guys that are just kind of known as like, you know, the big, are they, are they like really good at poker? You know what I mean? Are they like really good at poker or are they really good at finding games or, you know, because remember back in the day, people that are playing these cash games, I would like they're, they're really well these guys wouldn't they wouldn't know what to do in a 30 big blind poker right. tournament or whatever Correct. it is. But are these guys actually really, really good in addition to playing like really big stakes, or are they just really good at finding games? Or I think they're
2: of- I think they're raw talents. So if you if you were able to pluck a Garrett or an Andy out and I, I actually know this for a fact because I started playing with both of them around this time, but if you were able to pluck them out and throw them into two thousand eight Cash games they would be the best players in the room by such a, okay. a wide margin. And what you're seeing now is that they are very solid at the fundamental level, but they're capable of abandoning fundamentals in order to navigate the environment that they're in. So those HCL live or, or Hustler Casino live streams, everybody sits infinite deep, right? Okay. And what's supposed to happen is that your risk premium is uh, really high whenever you're that deep because the, the equity threshold necessary to put a lot of chips into a pot is like the nuts, right? So like you just shouldn't ever be putting 100 blinds into a pot without the nuts basically because there's the threat that your opponent could then shove all in and if you don't have the nuts basically you can't call and that's the game of chicken that's meant to be played as stacks get deep but that's not actually how the game plays out. It just plays out like a normal game, you know? So they get to sit thousands of blinds deep with people who are willing to invest hundreds of blinds with like one pair With gut shots with open you know what i mean just play the game normally as they understand it and as a byproduct they're just so socially capable of navigating those waters in a way where when the risk becomes high they know where their opponents crumble right they either default to risk aversion and sacrifice too many pots that way or they put themselves in an aggressive situation where they just never bluff enough and now Andy and Garrett are able to make these ridiculous folds, where they're folding like second nuts and and you know uh, effective nuts and, and things of that nature.
4: Yeah. Um, one other, again, just kind of another follow up, like kind of poker question. Again, I'm just kind of using this as my own platform to figure out uh, to ask you a couple of questions. I love it. So, <laughs> so, so Landon was talking. I don't. I think you were maybe on this screen about he was. Somebody was asking him how to analyze kind of a downswing, or something, mm-hmm. or somebody was asking. Him. And he was talking about how uh, with di- if you get different standard deviations away, you could tell you're playing bad. And th- that that's always the thing I always was interested in with poker. And this was this was the tragedy of the, of the bad reg in pre-Black Friday, right? The tragedy of the bad reg was this, is that we talked about earlier about you just have to be good enough, right? Yeah, so yeah. all the people that were bad regs were good enough. And then what happens is then they start losing. Right. now when you start losing in a game that's a mixture of luck and skill where the information is hidden right it's not mm-hmm. like backgammon where it's luck but you see the information it's it's you don't literally know when anybody had you can just only guess right the first thing that comes to the to the bad reg is well I just got unlucky you know what I mean and that that's fine you know that's part of variance yep and after a while you know like like how do you know if you're not getting if you're just getting lucky you know how do you know if you're not just on a regular downswing, how do you know if you're, if you're just, if you're just bad, you know, and, right. and the bad reg, like eventually just thought that people were cheating him. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and it's, 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 it's really, I guess the same thing that makes poker nasty is what makes poker awesome. Right. is that, is that you, sometimes you really don't know if you're playing well and you really don't know if you're playing bad. Do the solvers kind of deal with that? Like, like oh, back when they had Holden Resources, you know, I, they still have it. But I talked to Helmut, who's the guy who Helmut Mercier, who created that. And mm-hmm. what you could do that is you could just input all your stuff into Holden Resources, and it would scan for mistakes. Yep. But it was only yep. push fold mistakes, right? Right, right? Have have the solvers gotten to the point like Jellyfish and Backgammon where you could upload your entire MTT history, you know, and it will tell you you are bad or it's yep. not really gotten to
2: that. No, it has. Uh, you and I are, are such dinosaurs in this realm. And more specifically me, because I'm 85, 90% live my entire career. Okay. So I can never I can never know, right? I could just never right. have this sort of objective feedback. But yeah, uh, you could take your entire database of hands, whether it's cash or MTTs. That's awesome. And you can upload it to a, a program like GTO Wizard. Yep. Uh, and you know after some time, it'll basically give you a percentage output of how closely you played the game theory.
4: Right, but but so you're not going to be able. But it's good. It, I'm talking about like sample size. Like how 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 many samples do you need to tell you that you stink? You know what I mean? Oh, like okay. So 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 these
2: these are two separate questions. So yeah. uh, it, you, you can find the technical accuracies or inaccuracies in your game by uploading to uh something yeah. like GTO Wizard, right? And it'll tell you like you're operating on 90% accuracy of, of game theory. But then additionally, you can use a, a variance calculator. Uh, prime dope is the most common one utilized and basically uh you could take uh the difficulty is that you have to have an assumed win rate right whether it's positive or negative so the best no. thing to do is just uh y- you kind of work off of intervals because it's an estimation right you'll just never truly know uh, but if you think that you have like a 20 percent roi then you plug that in uh, and, uh, you can base it off of volume and it'll tell you like how many standard deviations away until you start to get into, uh, uh kind of a, a, tail risk situation. Um, same thing holds true with, uh, if you have a negative ROI, right. It'll tell you like what the likelihood of, uh, we, we, did this for rampage whenever he was, uh, kind of jokingly saying that ACR was rigged. Uh, we basically gave him like a negative ROI, a break-even ROI, and then a small positive ROI um and it was showing that like he was well within the the bell curve distribution of of a downswing
4: well well, let me let me let me put you another way so i always said that there were two nobel prizes that you could give out in the in the backing world okay Mm -hmm. for backing analysis okay and they're they're related the first nobel prize goes to the person who answers this question is how many mtt's does a player have to play to have a reasonable estimation of what his true ROI is okay that is that is nobel prize number 1 and you normalize for for 10 10, you know, 10 rebuy versus 100 rebuy or whatever yep. how many of those and then question 1b is that given that like you said given that ROI how many MTTs does that person have to play to have an x percent chance of being within x standard deviations right. of that win rate And so, and if you could figure those two things out then you're honest
2: the second one is figured out that's okay. what the prime dope calculator does that's what i figured. the first one is the is the problem yeah. because it's impossible for us to know right like we're, we're always going to be operating on some level of of error when it comes yeah. to estimating win rates but um what we do have available to us is 20 years of data so we know what's achievable we know what the floor and the ceiling of win rates, at least, are um, you know as far as like MTTs go, uh, and and we've kind of seen the shift. When you and I were playing online pre Black Friday, it was possible to have ROIs in the hundreds for sure. Look at, look at that thing! That is
4: solved for solve for something. What is that?
2: Uh, this is this is the prime <laughs> dope calculator. Uh, that, that looks dope to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's insane. So yeah, it only takes in four data points. It's uh, your win rate. Uh, the other thing that you have to estimate is what you think the uh, standard deviation is uh in big blinds but again like this has been uh pretty much standardized across the board at least for online uh we know that i think they even have a chart of uh like what the the uh suggestions are i think it's like 100 big blinds for full ring or maybe it's 80 big blinds for full ring 100 for six max 125 or 30 something like that for for heads up um so yeah, there's a lot of work that's being done here, but you'll never have the confidence that we all seek. And if you're a live player, you're drawing dead. Like yep. you just have to be able to show well, up every day and observe.
4: Well, that's well, that's well, that's the, the question, right? So I, I really didn't finished my point about online versus live. Right back in the day, online was considered easier than live, but obviously now it's um, you know obviously yeah. the, the live is easier. But when people would want to play live versus online, there's still that problem of, of sample size. Right? right. So, so, so when you, even cash games, what do what they, what do they deal live now? What 35 hands an hour or whatever it used to be? Yeah. I mean, give <laughs> and, or take. And, and, and online it's, it's infinite. Right. So, so, so what type of edge do you really need to have live versus online to make up for those, for those added samples? Cause remember, remember, maybe you think about this cause look, you're, you're getting, what are you in your thirties now? I I'm mean, 40. I mean, I'm in my fifties now. So I think about yeah. things a little differently, Another way to think about samples is 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 time. You know, like if you want to if you want to win money over poker, even if you have an edge, it's going to yes require a lot of hands, but that means a lot of time. And mm-hmm. as you get older, you think about limited time. And what what online did was was able to collapse time. Right, you, you could collapse thirty five hands an hour into one fifty times sixteen right times mm-hmm. sixteen tables. So and that that becomes an interesting question is how soft do the games have to be live to draw you away from a tiny edge online.
2: Yeah, that's that's uh that's the age-old debate, right? And I think that it just comes down to two different character types because th- the fact is the win rates available live are massive, just just exponentially larger yep. than online, but the volume you can put in online is exponentially larger. So it's like would you rather have a 5% edge putting in 100x volume or would you rather have uh you know 20x edge putting in 120th volume um oh, or, yeah, or poker dope.
4: Volume. i mean let like poker dope crunch it you know yeah it,
2: uh... well it's also like how you enjoy spending your time too right oh. like for me sitting eight hours at a table live is a pleasant experience oh and gotta be kidding i love it i love the social aspect of it <laughs> to me it's a it's a it's a mono-e-mono game it's not I don't see anything as volume, and I never have. I've never been a volume junkie. It's why I don't think I gravitated towards online. I see every hand as its own battle, and uh, you know I have my objectives there. Uh, with online, it's just like it's all coming at you so fast and everything's so systematic, and you're just trying to basically eke out whatever predetermined edge it is that you have. Uh, it's not for me, man.
4: I, I, would, I would like to tell you the last time I played live, and and I will I, shan't going, I shall not be going back to I will not be going back to Borgata yeah. uh, uh, because of this okay. because of the way it's happened. So I was in a tournament like oh a while ago now uh six seven years ago something mm-hmm. like that, and it was a s- stupid like it was an evening tournament. It busted out of something or other whatever, and I was sitting and 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 there was this dude to my right who was just had tattoos like just kind of like a head guy who was just being very aggressive, just being whatever, and, and and just just slamming his hand on the table when he lost, whatever it is. Listen, he wasn't bothering me, even though the experience was, was completely st- stupid, right? Yeah. So he was to my right, and he raised, and, excuse me, someone else went all in for six big blinds. He flat called. I didn't think he had much to do that. I had six, seven of hearts, and I isolated all in, okay? Um, It folds around, uh, you know. The, the, this this gentleman folds, okay, and I end up busting the guy, you know, with something. Guy gives me a look. He said, "What the hell are you doing?" Right. He didn't use the word hell. Right. He said, "I'm like whatever." Right. I just ignored him. Then a little later on, same thing happens. This time somebody else goes all in for eight big blinds. I got flat calls. Same thing. I just I just uh, I just isolated him with nothing.
3: <laughs> Get
4: back, gets back to him, and he calls. He has ace king. And I bust him, right? And no excuse, <laughs> me, I don't bust him. He has a couple of couple of couple of blinds left. And he looks at me and he says, am I allowed to curse on this or no? Yeah, sure. yeah go
2: nuts.
4: He says, You fucking bagged. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, so, right right? so New York? So New York. I mean how I mean how do you respond to that? You know what I mean? And, you should have kissed
2: him on the lips.
4: Well, I, 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 I was a little I was a little better, right? I, I said, I said. I said, sir, whatever hand I choose to play and whoever I choose to have sex with is my own business. (laughs) (laughs) And and the table laughed, but the sarcasm was a little lost on this gentleman. And he like threw the chair down like that, right? Mm. And then meanwhile, what I've left out of all this is the floor, nobody would do anything, right? And the floor comes over and I'm like, are you going to do anything? He's like, what would you like me to do? And this is the weird thing about poker. I'm like, if this is a cash game. I'd get up. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's a turn. I can't get up. What what, what would you like me to do? Right. And they said, there's nothing we could do. I'm like, okay. I literally left my chips on the table and never went back to that poker. That's so, wild. yeah, I know it was, I know I overreacted Whatever it is, but I just, I just have no interest. I will go back eventually. Um, but that place really annoyed
2: i don't know if you heard but there's a million dollars guaranteed the first in january
4: <laughs> i will be in the bahamas that week
2: thank you very much no 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 <laughs> you're going to the bahamas at the end of the month no nope and that's the funniest thing you
4: say that is uh no i'm going uh i have i have kids they're all out of they're all out of college now oh, wow. uh, my, my my vacation days are different
2: okay so you're not you're not going to brigada god bless you i Would love to dodge there, but I'm gonna I'm I'm a I'm a slave to the million dollar guarantee. Uh you're not going to PSPC at the end of the month. Where's that? The Bahamas.
4: Oh, oh you mean the tournament? Yeah. yeah. And the funny thing is is the tournament was always like right around my birthday. Yeah. My birthday January eleventh. And I I never I never I never played PCA. Um I never played PCA all my years. I played I played Aruba, but never played uh as a matter of fact, when I played Aruba, um that was the year that 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 Lingren won.
2: Oh, okay and, yeah, yeah
4: and and one uh, spend, spend forever on this, but whatever we'll we'll do it anyway. So I won my seat from Aruba online. my son who's now probably 20, on UB right. My son is 20. <laughs> then he was like three, not mm. even he was like one yeah. and he was st- he was on my lap and we were three-handed and I had a million chips already and they only paid two seats. so I was basically sitting out letting these two kind of do whatever. Back then, it was like impolite, I guess, just go all in every hand, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just letting them duke it out. And somebody would go all in. I would just automatically fold, automatically fold. And then one time, somebody goes all in, and my son like reaches over me, like, <laughs> and he like, hits the click button. Right? <laughs> and, and, with like 6'8 offsuit and bust this guy, right? <laughs> and, and and the guy who won the seat along with me was actually Josh Arier, a.k.a. Wow. Angelo at the time.
2: Yeah, that's so, incredible no, <laughs> that's crazy yeah, that,
4: is, that is that is that is true he owes, um, he owes your but, son a thank you yes but um I got you know I got, I'll got, tell you what I'll got one more no one more so this is it's not really admitting to anything yeah okay I'll do it <laughs> 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 so back back in the days of party poker right the days of like remember it was kind of like uh let's just say it was kind of uh kind of the wild west out there sure and I I my account and I'm like you know what what could be the harm I'll open up another account, right? Because listen, it's weird to think of it this way that people actually think like, but boy, if I have one account and I bust out of a tournament, wouldn't it be cool to have another one, right? Makes logical sense, right? Yeah. You don't think about that. It, it's like in any way unethical at the time, right? right so right. I said, I opened it up and I opened up under my son's name and my son was two, okay? <laughs> my son was two. And after like a little, after like a couple of, even you know, a couple of days, I'm like, you know, this, this feels wrong, you know, whatever it is. So I had to go, I wanted to cancel the account. And he had kind of money, he, I had money in the kid's account. So I got a hold of Party Poker's um, uh, customer service, right? Mm. They actually had a phone. And I said, listen, I was totally honest. Listen, my name is Eric Haber. My account's Sheets World. Uh, The other, this other account is, listen, I feel really bad about this. I opened up an account under my son's name. You know, it's, I know it's not right. Could you just do me a favor. Could we just close the account and, you know, and, and transfer the money? I said, well, I'm sorry, sir, but to, um, you know, we need to speak to the to the owner of the account to make any changes. I said, "Sure." Yeah, okay, but you know, he's he's one, right? So uh, I, I figured, you know, maybe you could just help me out here and you know, just just close the account. He says, and they said, "Well, like I said, we have to speak to them. Like, Well, you know what? He's one, so I don't really let him talk to strangers. If, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Right? <laughs> and they said, "Well, hold on." So so this is like a showdown at the OK Corral, right? So so they meet, speak to their manager. They said, "Well, according to the regulations, to." cancel an account, we need you to send over the driver's license of the account owner. And I said, well, he's one, but you know what? His big wheel has one of those fake ones that come with it. You know what I mean? One of those things. If you want, I can kind of send that over if, that, if that'll help. And this went on for about 20 minutes before they finally conceded and closed his account.
2: So i am that, astonished that you won that uh that <laughs> battle there i i would assume they would have just kept the money and told you to you, fuck know, you off. know what
4: they won listen let's let, what did they say about arguing on the internet right nobody yeah. wins so yeah, yeah really, that's true nobody wins those
2: that is true uh yeah it was different time different time back then i uh, i remember i uh my first full tilt account i was Luckbox 11 and nice. uh after like a year i hated the name and john jawanda was Luckbox something else so I just like asked them to close my account, like that I was a problem gambler and I didn't want to be on there or anything else, whatever. And then like a month later, I just created another account <laughs> and they were, they were like, okay, you're Berkey oh, 11 now.
4: Well, you know, you know where my, um, I don't know if you follow this, but you know, on my, uh, my Twitter account, you see that I have this kind of logo that's associated with kind of all of my yeah all of my stuff
2: you know that yeah, looks and like a we, hockey ma- mascot yeah
4: so what it is it's the logo of the linkoping uh hockey club from, oh, from Link-O-Ping, sweden right <laughs> um but that that has has meaning you know like back in the early days of, of poker stars there were you know when i was playing sit and goes it seemed as though everybody that sucked out on me was from linkoping i don't know why <laughs> one of them was from linkoping and so you know what? If that's what it takes to get lucky, I'm going to change my city to Linkoping. Sure. That, and, that, and you know what? You could do that. Change to say wherever you want, right? Yeah. So I, so I was then Sheets Linkoping, right? It wasn't Sheets <laughs> Sheets Linkoping. And then finally, after like you know, like six months of this, Lee Jones actually reached out to me and says, "Listen, you know, it's really important that people know that you know they're dealing with actual people from where they are." And I tried to bluff. I said, you listen, I'm from a very private town. I don't want people to ever know where I'm from, you know, whatever it's like, well, then just put New York. I'm like, eh. yeah. So so sheets Linkoping kind of became my, this kind of became my, you know, my my moniker, like forever. Like all my stuff now has Linkoping on it. So you fast forward like a year, a year later, I'm at the, I'm at the WSOP. That's how long ago it was, right? I was at the WSOP. And I, I strike up a conversation with three or four people that were there. They said, Oh, your sheets, this, 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 this. And so after it, one of the guys comes up to me and says, You know, you're going to laugh, Eric. I'm like, What? He says, The guy I was speaking to just now, he says, You know what? That Sheets is such a nice guy. And you know what? He doesn't speak that bad English. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Like, what do you mean? He's like, Seriously, his English is actually not that bad. I'm like, Well, that's great. The guy actually did think I was from Sweden all
2: these years. I have to tell you, man, city and uh, country reads were real pre Black Friday. It was like, you're in a really tough Mm -hmm. spot. You're not sure. You're like flipping a coin in your head and you scroll over and you see Belarusian. You're like, call, call, (laughs) call, show it to me, buddy. Like you, you get this one. Uh, Quick question.
4: Who is your best horse? Well, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you gauge that? Well, monetarily, I guess. I mean that's a silly question, right? I mean, you know. Well, obviously,
2: we we all, would we be, all know yeah. who the who the, who the top, you know. Better question: Who's the worst horse?
4: <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> uh, that that one I'm kind of sworn to secrecy. Sure. But, um, <laughs> but you know what? You know what? too, like, listen. I, well, the fact that it is, I, I like I like the horses that that I actually do enjoy speaking with, also on the side or whatever. Listen, like Efro, he's been in this chat. I mean, Ephro and that whole crew. Like Efro and and, and, and T Soprano and 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 there's another guy from that whole crew. There's one guy that we had in that in that crew that, that passed away, actually. Um, anyway, um, but but uh those guys were always really, really smart. Huey, right? That was he didn't no, Huey didn't die. but but Huey from uh from the from the magic days he played. That whole crew was really, really cool. Below was obviously like uh, whatever. But I have to shout out, you know, none of this would have started in the first place without the original guys. And that was Brett, Jungblood and and Scotty Fishman and, and, uh, and Dutch. You know, these are the three guys that I first started back in that just started this whole thing, you know, and, and, and listen, I, and I put this out there, you know, many times how it actually got started, but I was actually playing a poker stars tournament online. And I got a call from the, the school that it was a snow day. And I had to pick my daughter up from school and my wife was out. And I was in the middle of the poker stars tournament. I said, you know, I gotta have someone take over for me. Ooh, I know, terrible. Someone take over for you. But but I had to have someone take over for me. So the only guy I knew that played online was Phil Lack, actually. And I said, Phil, do you know anybody that can take over for me? He's like, Yeah, have like Gank take over. I'm like, Gank, what the hell's a gank? He's like, whatever, you know, just, just have him take over for you. He's 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 good, whatever. So I went and I came back and Gank was was, was doing his thing, you know, and, and I, I think we got fourth or something like that. And so Phil said to me, He said, Listen, you know, he's part of that the, that crew from that World Series of Poker episode with him and Dutch and, and Scotty Fishman. I know that Brett's looking for backing in the uh, I think it was the uh the the, the PCA at the time or something like that. And so I got a hold of them and I said, you know what, these these are 21-year-old kids that are looking to get a start in something that is typically for older people. Let's go. And this is this is where it all started with Dutch and Brett and Scotty. And uh so I guess it would be silly for me to not say those are my favorites after all this stuff.
2: That makes sense. Yep. Was there uh was there one that got away?
4: Yeah. There <laughs> are plenty. <Yeah.
2: laughs>
4: I, I, I feel I feel bad, but I will I will say this that I think that of the I'll just say that of the top fifteen like like lifetime earners in poker, I think two of them we said no to. I think. Mm. Um yeah, they're 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 definitely there are definitely plenty, but I mean, like I said, you know, what are you going to do? You know, you, you make your decisions as best as you can with the information that you have. And, you know, and there's some people that said no to us and they went on for, to, to make millions and stuff like that. But that's, that's, that's all good too. Anything that's, uh, anything that advances, anything that advances the industry is, is really good.
2: Yeah. I, I think that that's a, a pretty good sentiment to have. You can't really cry over spilt milk when you guys had such success. Uh, I think that's a good spot for us to wrap i really appreciate you doing this i i could do this all day man reminiscing about the the old days to me is uh, a lost art uh having landed around really reminds me of how little this generation uh has perspective over you know basically the boom uh as a whole and uh, I'm very nostalgic for it, but also I think it's such a a, a critical part to this game's history I, that it's listen, worth me telling. Wait, I have to. I no, go have ahead, go to.
4: Ahead. I have to shout out his guys that I that I didn't pay pay homage to. Someone someone piped in Lil Holdem in here. Oh,
3: um yeah.
4: And he, I don't, and and he was, you know, he was a tortured soul in and of his own self, but but he but he was he was awesome and, and definitely R.I.P. Lil Holdem. Um, he was he was he was. He was Listen, for all he did he, ne- he never he never never stole ever he was always like really aggressive he never he never used a solver and he was able to never n- you know never did anything other than win um so love that guy
2: yeah he was uh he was a real legend very unfortunate to see okay. him go the way that he did uh many such cases you know it's when you're around 20 years you're gonna you're gonna see the dark side too and yep. uh a lot of a lot of those instances um we got to do this again sometime really sure. really enjoyed this uh i think there's still a lot to to talk about you probably have stories yeah, for days
4: whatever i mean you'll go you'll I mean, they there they're, you got you have you do this stuff every day i mean you'll have to get we, bored at some point of, of talking about really advanced poker stuff you know? oh every, <laughs> every day
2: that's the last thing on earth i want to talk about man i just want to lecture landon about what it was like to defend against the 5x <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, thank you so I think, much.
4: I think I think I think USA is up one nothing. That's good
2: news. Okay, go. that's that's great. That means that we'll have something to talk about in the upcoming oh, days. Let,
4: let, let me let me let me just whatever. So so again, you know, the thing I'm doing now is daily fantasy sports. Yeah, I have a site, True DFS, T R U E DFS, um, which I do with Bobby Five, Bobby Firestone, who's really really good. It's my new my new little project that I'm working on. You know, I tell listen, I tell my son who's now twenty. I said, listen, the brain is like any other organism. If you don't use it every day, it's just going to atrophy, you know? So, 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 even at my very, very advanced age, I always like to learn about new stuff. And, and the DFS content is kind of what I'm kind of putting a little work in right now. Um, I also have a sports betting app called better takes, B E T T O R T A K E S. I'm kind of part of what that does is it, um, it analyzes your betting history to kind of identify biases and oh, see awesome. if maybe you could learn from them or something like that. I don't know. We'll we'll that's see. Really great. But just again, just stuff to keep me busy.
2: Both hey. both of those sites are um, kind of information sites. Yep. Nice. Hey Eric, as a fellow Long Islander, I have a quick question: Jets or Giants?
4: Um, I'm a Giants fan. Okay. If that, if that's what you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, this is what is it, Giant. You know, there there are different clusters, right? Giants, Yankees, Knicks, um, McDonald's. And Coke, <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to Mets, Jets, Pepsi. You know what I mean? And Connor's and, uh, <laughs> over there with uh, his. Jets
1: and Pepsi fan. I like every every team in New York, but I, I definitely take Pepsi over Coke.
4: So, so question: Were you a Yankee fan, or are you a Yankee fan or Met fan?
1: I'm a Yankee fan. I
4: mean, I'm. So here's the question: When the Red Sox were playing the, oh, you probably weren't alive in 1986. But when no, the when I the Red Sox not. were playing the Mets in
1: 1986,
4: who would you be rooting for?
1: It would definitely be the Mets and it wouldn't be a question. I was too. You know, it wouldn't yeah. be. I wouldn't even walk into, I wouldn't even go to Boston. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's tough to By the way, rival. By the way,
4: if you like sports, don't do DFS because it'll make you really just not care about sports anymore. I mean, daily sports, really, like you just don't even care who wins anymore. Are,
2: it's, you, it's, are you playing traditional yeah. daily now or are you in the uh, best ball? streets No,
4: just DFS, just regular DFS, like all the sports, basketball, baseball, yeah. League of Legends, all kinds of crazy. League <laughs> of Legends, Jeez. dude. Let me tell you something. I went to the League of Legends quarterfinals at Hulu Theater in this in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, a couple couple of months ago, just because again, I want to be able to experience everything that I've been on. I've been to a NASCAR event this year. I went to League of Legends. I went to tennis. I uh, went to MMA. How many people do you think were at both the League of Legends event? And the MMA event. Uh, it's got to be a very very, very, yeah.
2: very small crossover there. <laughs> One. That Venn diagram is pretty narrow.
1: If you put NASCAR in there, it's only you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that part's very true. Oh, man. Uh, I really enjoyed this. I look forward to doing it again. Thank you so much for everything you contributed to the community throughout the years. Uh, and thank you for being so candid in, in uh, this discussion. I know, I know that there's a lot of dicey... Areas for us to navigate from from days of yore, but uh, really enjoyable to go down these uh, old timey paths, so to speak. Um, Got to do this again. Appreciate you. Uh, anybody who wants to follow uh, you're at sheet pawns on uh, sheet Sheets, pawns. You'll figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. There it is in the lower third. Uh, man, that's that's old internet speak for anybody who's too young to understand. But nope. I'm sure we get a lot of that. Uh, going to let you out on that, on that note. Thank you so much, Sheets. Appreciate you. All
0: right, later, guys. Thank you.
2: Thanks. Thanks, man. That was great. You guys were very talkative. We
0: I was just to. listening, man. I, all I wanted to do was I could listen to him talk for days. Yeah, I mean, he's got, he's got all the stories. We honestly
1: could, shouldn't
0: even talk. Couldn't shut the uh, – Conrad's just walking off the set. Conrad thinks we're off the air right now. No, no.
2: Conrad. <laughs> we're not off the air. <laughs> Jesus.
1: Go
2: <laughs> Jesus Christ.
1: Alright, well I'm back there. Since, since we're, we put my headphones this on, this guy has
2: this guy has the balls. I'm
1: sweating balls over here. It is hot as fucking here. Look at this.
2: Maybe don't. worry uh, uh, Now he's complaining about the heat. This guy has the balls to call me his sidekick when he intros the fucking show. <laughs> and he is on another planet. Oh man! Once those cameras start rolling, oh, uh, time out, time out,
1: time out, time out. You're my sidekick because this is what I delegate to you. It was an interview today, and you had to, uh, you had to do it. This is what you do. You're really no, good at this. You did really yeah. good. You always Honestly, do really you, good at this. You so. pretty
0: much asked every question that I, I, I would have asked anyway. So like it, it was, I was enjoying just listening. To I don't this. ask
1: questions, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's,
0: yeah.
2: That's I, I, ga- I gathered that with the. <laughs> And then it's like, Conrad? And he's like, oh, I got nothing.
1: Well, no, <laughs> I went like this to say no. Never mind.
0: Before- you you got
2: to communicate it to the middleman. Uh, uh,
1: I did. I was,
0: well, I mean, listen. My question your motion too fast. Yeah, my question was. He went was, from wanting to have a question
1: to not wanting to have a question in a matter of three seconds.
2: Because yeah, he literally that's, that's stated Conrad.
1: immediately what it was. It was say how many yeah. people the most you had in the main. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And then he immediately said it. So you, you knew you had a good question. That's that's how good it was. He anticipated Imagine Imagine
0: how great of a feeling would it be if you're like. You're Back on these people, and then you get to the main and you're just free rolling the main with some yeah. people. Jesus. That's that's <laughs> he said it only happened strong. a couple of times, but like w- w- what a great feeling that would be! It,
2: it definitely would feel great. <laughs> um, thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Uh, don't forget that we are still running a Black Friday sale for Solve for Y TV for the next 24 hours. So, if you're interested in seeing eight seasons of Poker Out Loud, all of the adjoining On Second Thoughts, dozens upon dozens of courses as well as masterminds galore head over to softwarewide.io 50% 50% off your first three months use the signup code friday22 uh you also have a two-week free trial that if you cancel prior to it expiring you yep. will not be charged the code is set to end
0: on december 1st so i don't know how the system exactly works might if it's be gonna end 1201 at, it could be yeah you might get all of tomorrow but you might just get today so get in there now and get that deal
1: i fucking love you brian You're so good at that.
2: (laughs) I I (laughs) just don't want them
1: to miss out on the great deal.
2: You can't have them miss out on the deal. Uh, Reminder also that tomorrow we will be giving away a 12K package to the win. Don't miss out on that either. WPT WPT championship that's taking place on December 12th. All you have to do is subscribe and or become a member of our YouTube. Uh, Members will get 10X luck factor, so you have a slightly better chance of winning that way. Follow our socials, YTV and Only Friends Pod, as well as be present in the chat. Uh, the way we do the contest is we use Nightbot to uh, randomize all of the names that are in the chat. So you must be active in order to qualify. Best of luck to one of you. Win a 12K package. Just all the EV in the world. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I know that was a little bit of a longer one, but I really enjoyed uh, getting Sheets insight to what was going on. Uh, kind of behind the scenes of, of, of the backing world as we knew it pre Black Friday, slightly post Black Friday, as well as like all the live events uh culminating in a WSOP win with Cata. Very fascinating stuff. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We're gonna be doing more of this coming uh, up in the future. Big one tomorrow, uh, with the seat giveaway, and then Thursday and Friday, uh, we'll get kind of get back to normal. We'll see you guys ten AM Pacific tomorrow. Peace. Later.